It's Locked On Giants Live. Trina, Tina, dog, next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Giants Live. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and I'm joined by the great bad dog, the great Tana. We are so happy to have you with us on this Friday night. Yeah, thank you, Patty. You thank you for that warm intro. Oh, you know I love you guys. We could yeah. always say the same thing about our team. Yes. Well, <laughs> we love them, but they haven't been great. They haven't been great, but uh, you guys have been great. And uh, we finally had the gang together. Last, last week, we unfortunately didn't have Chris with us, but he's here tonight. So... Let's get this party started, guys. I mean, so before we were we came on, we were talking about how we came so close last week to a victory. But, you know, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss, a win is a win. But still, guys, what did you like from last week's game that, that you feel is something that this team can build on? Yeah, uh, first off, excited to be back. Last week, my sister messaged me last minute, and I had to pick her up at the airport. Um, but I'm excited to be back talking Giants football with you guys. And um, – yeah, I, I think there was a lot to build off of last week. I know you don't want to hear that as a fan uh, coming into a year where we all had much higher expectations. We were all thinking playoffs. But I think at this point, you got to kind of temp your expectations a bit. This team is banged up. They haven't looked the way that we thought that they would. Uh, I think the defense for the third straight week, actually, has shown significant improvement, significant growth. And that was their by far their best game of the year. Um, so, yeah, I think you start there. Deontay Banks continues to look really good as a rookie. Uh, we created, I think it was two turnovers. Bobby O'Karake is looking more and more like a, a very good free agent signing. Um, I think he's out of hand in every one of our turnovers that we've created this year. So the defense has been much better uh, over the last couple of weeks. You can point to Tyrod. Um, I thought Tyrod played as good as you could have hoped for a backup. He definitely made a couple of plays. People talked about how he, he took a few shots down the field. Yeah, he had the boneheaded decision. Uh, you don't expect that from a veteran. But at the end of the day, he's the backup. Um, Gave us a chance to win. That's all you could have asked for, in my opinion, going into that game. And Barkley looked good. Barkley definitely got it going in the second half. So I think there was at least some signs of growth last week um, to make me believe that, yeah, this team's probably going to win five or six games this year. People that are begging for the number one pick that want a quarterback probably aren't going to get it. I think they'll find a way to win four or five, six games because the defense looks like it's getting better and better every week. Yeah, um, <clears throat> no question. I'll say this. and I mentioned this um, when I was doing the little – uh, my little thing with Louis T who play the commander. So I work with a Washington content creator yesterday and Tyra Taylor. I'm not going to say he was better than Daniel Jones, but different, <laughs> different yeah. than Daniel Jones. And sometimes different is better. If that makes any sense. We did see him take more shots on the field. Tyra Taylor hasn't had five years of getting his brain scrambled in that pocket behind that line either. But I thought Tyrod Taylor was very decisive in his throws. I felt like he read the defense better, and I do feel like he stretched the field. Now, Saquon Barkley also has something to do with that as well. 
I want to give a big shout out to Evan Neal. Evan Neal has taken a lot of crap this year. He had the, you know, the bad comments. He was playing bad. I thought he was amazing um, on Sunday night. I thought he played really, really well. So you hope Evan Neal can build on that. I like Justin Pugh straight off the couch. That was funny. Um, Justin Pugh may not be what he was. He was playing out of position. I mean, it's crazy how they just kind of threw him. Hey, you're going to be his blindside protector. But I think what Justin Pugh brings is a guy that has experience. He he brings leadership. And that can't be understated on a young team. The Giants are one of the youngest teams in the league, especially that line, which has had so many different lineups due to injuries or rotations or whatever it is. He's the type of guy that when that line does get healthy, when you get Thomas back, when you get JMS back, you know, you when you get a Zudu back or whoever, he could certainly uh, help them out a lot. So I thought Evan Neal played really well. I thought the offense, outside of getting into the end zone, looked really good. They they had 316 yards of offense. That was more than Buffalo had. And like Chris said, the defense is getting better and better every week. Outside of Miami, you know, we did get cost returners. Miami puts up 500 yards in everybody, so this isn't anything new. Um, Micah McFadden. Micah McFadden has been absolutely mm. awesome. Um, I think he was a fifth round pick out of Indiana. And, and this is where the GMs make their money. Like people are so quick to kill Joe Shane. I put it on Twitter today. He's got good talent. Michael McFadden, Deontay Banks, Wandale looks really good. Kayvon Thibodeau is good. I know he takes a lot of crap because people expect him to be Micah Parsons. He's not. Um, Jalen Hyatt played 77% of the snaps. It's the most he's played by far this year. And, and again, he brings a different dynamic. It, it's really difficult. This, this is how bad the Giants have been this year, okay? We scored nine points, and that was the most complete game I felt that they played all season on both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. So going against a Washington team that has allowed a ton of sacks, I think Sam Howell has been sacked the most. Maybe yeah, not the most, but he's right at the top. This is definitely a guy that we can get to. He's turned the ball. He's thrown six or seven interceptions this year. He's fumbled a couple of times. If the Giants can get pressure on him early and off, this team we can beat. We've always beat Washington. So yeah. – it will not surprise me if we win, but like Chris said, there's a lot to build on in this game, and that's better than a one-win team that you watched on Sunday. Yeah, and some subtle changes made on both sides of the ball, which I think have paid off for them. Number one, Wink is not blitzing as much as he was. He's, he's using the four-man rush to get at the quarterback. Um, and then on offense, they've been using a little bit more 12 personnel, which is something – you know, we've been calling for, you know, with the the state of that offensive line now, I think with Justin Pugh in there, maybe that'll settle that offensive line down to where maybe they can start going to more 11 personnel. And they've also scaled down the number of receivers. You've noticed mm-hmm. that it's been Wandale, it's been Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton. So oh, guys Campbell. like Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, Sterling Shepard kind of fallen by the wayside. So they're streamlining a little bit. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And yeah, like kind of piggybacking off what Bad Dog said also, you felt like the team finally got back to their identity. They they ran the ball and they continued to run the ball. In the first half, they were only averaging like two and a two, two or two and a half yards a carry, but they still had like 18 or 19 carries. They, I think the coaching staff finally realized that we know we're a limited offense at this point with all the injuries that we have. We got to get back to doing what we did last year. We got to play grinded out football games. And that's that's really what I saw last week. Um, and another thing I want to bring up, we say it every week, he needs to continue to get praise. Jamie Gillen and the special teams, once again, were yep. very strong in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Gillen's been a, Gillen has been a bright spot because he was not very good. Well, they went, 
they went to that rugby style kicking with him, which yeah. is what he's used to doing. Yeah. And so by incorporating that, and oh, by the way, kudos to the special teams because with that rugby style kicking, it's very easy to take off a little bit prematurely and draw an illegal man downfield. So they've coached them up for that. But uh, Gillen definitely with that that rugby style kick, um, that has made a big difference for him. Yeah, speaking of ineligible downfield, the BS call on Evan Neal on the on the deep pass to Hyatt that should have never been called. I was on a I think it was on a Zudu. Was think, it on a Zudu? Yeah, I think it, I think okay. it was a Zudu. Okay. Either, way. Either way, either way, either yeah. way. It, it, I didn't see an illegal guy downfield. Even the announcers, when I understand, I mean Chris and I don't listen to the broadcast, but people were saying the announcers were saying that's a bad call. We all know what happened at the end of the game. There were a I few mean, bad calls in that game. Yeah, we all know what happened at the end of the game. I, I mean, it's it's pretty blatantly obvious. They're just not going to call bass interference and back to back plays, but I mean. It, it's pretty blatant. I'm not going to sit here and blame the officials. We scored nine points. That's yeah. on us. Um, I still have an issue with some of the play calls. I don't understand. Chris and I were talking about this. The Giants in the third quarter ran the ball right down the field. On two carries, Barkley had 53 yards. They found something running off the right side of the line, and they get down into Buffalo territory, deep into Buffalo territory, and in third and inches, they run an RPO. I guess that's what it was. But he, I'm like, why are we even getting cute? Yeah. Hand the ball off to Barkley. And run it. Or if you want to get cute on third and inches, it's because you're going for it on fourth and inches. And they set up for the field goal there, which I was like, I don't understand the thought process behind the play call and then not going for it on fourth down and taking the three. I just don't understand, especially when you found something on the right side of the line. Like Chris said, in the first half, I believe Barkley had 16 carries for 22 yards. I mean, they shut him down. But in that second half, the Giants found something until Buffalo adjusted to it. Um, so there's just been a lot of play calling that, you know, is head scratching in yeah. certain yeah. scenarios or situations in the game. You're like, why would they do that? Why you would know, they call that? I have a theory about that. I don't know if this is true, but this is my theory. You've got a lot more discussion going on this year with the play calling than maybe you've had in the past. Brian Dable is involved in the discussion as is his right. You know, you see him with the play call. So he's talking to Kafka upstairs in the, in, in the booth and, you know, whoever else, you know, what other, whatever else uh, offensive coaches. So I just wonder if perhaps maybe, you know, different thinking, different philosophies, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen is a possibility, but it just seems like, you know, the play calling is just, it's more jumbled this year. It's there, there's, each play should build off of another. And mm. we don't always see that for whatever the reason. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned too many cooks in the kitchen. I thought we were going to segue into food early on. In I, you know what? Almost <laughs> because Papa Guzzo, Papa Guzzo talked about the uh, he had his how he got jam, uh, jambalaya tonight. So I was like, oh, we're starting the food conversation there you go. early. There you go. <laughs> and that, yeah, going back, that was one spot where, I, and I don't like to nitpick on Dable because overall, I think. I still am very happy he's our coach. I know he's been getting more heat because the team's not playing nearly as well this year. I didn't agree with his decision after he did what he did. The way I looked at it in that situation, Patty, was it's fourth and an inch. It was literally an inch. Are you going to get a better opportunity in that game? And it turned out they did. But in at that point in time, are you really going to realistically get a better opportunity in that game to score a touchdown? It's fourth and an inch on the 11-yard line. I understand you're taking the lead. But for me, Brian Dable last year goes for that. Yeah, Brian yeah. Dable last year shows confidence in his team, and he goes for that. I didn't agree with that decision. I thought they should should have shown more. If it was fourth and a full yard, I get it. But even if you don't get it, 
even if Buffalo goes down and scores a touchdown, you're still only down one possession. So yep. for me, I thought it was the right decision there to go for it. So that, that was the one judgment call in that game where I strongly disagreed with Brian Dable. Yeah, I mean, last year we we talked about this with our season on the line pretty much against Washington in the second game. Dable went for it fourth and nine from like the Washington 45 or whatever. It was near midfield. And this year it's been ultra conservative. It, it's it really is sometimes you watch this offense, and I, we would sit there and joke around go, is, is Dr. Garrett calling the plays again? Because <laughs> it's like these little three-yard outs, these these you know congested throws near the line of scrimmage with a bunch of defenders around it's just there's no reward to that and there's a lot of uh you know risk taken and i think it's shown in the fact that daniel jones has already thrown more interceptions this year than he did last you know granted three of those were off his receivers hands that happened to eli a lot as well um so there's not much you can do about that but it's just the offense seems just different again maybe barkley being out has something to do with this it just Absolutely. doesn't seem to be like you mentioned patty the cohesive unit that it was last year yeah i mean barkley returning i mean i i firmly believe and nobody's going to convince me otherwise that that didn't make a, dif- a difference because now yeah. you've got a guy you've got to account for in addition to tyrod who you know if he has to roll out he can move around if he if he needs to and that was missing and, you know, and a guy like Barkley is also helping, you know, that offensive line, if you think about it, because now there's just the threat of running and, you know, he can find holes. He doesn't necessarily need that offensive line to open up the, a hole the size of a Mack truck or anything like that. So, yeah, Barkley definitely had a a, a big impact on that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Barkley's huge. For everybody that says he's just a running back, you're, you're out of your mind. No, <laughs> no. And, and, you know, that brings up the question. And, you know, we might as well talk about this now because, you know, it, it it's coming up. The trade deadline is, yeah. is uh, Halloween, Halloween, October 31st. I still see people t- saying they should trade Barkley. I've seen you get asked about it by a lot of your counterparts in the media. I, um, I think you wait to see this I've, game I've, and next week. I've talked about this with Bad Dog too, Patty, and I, a lot of people I think just see the Saquon situation as one-sided. They're like, and I understand it. I clearly understand that side of it, where you have to trade him because you got to get something for him. We're in rebuild mode. He's a running back. He's not under contract next year. I'm not trading Saquon Barkley unless I get decent value. I'm not giving him away for a third or fourth round pick because the way I look at it, Patty, is if this team continues to go down the rabbit hole. If this team continues to stink next this year and we do draft a quarterback and you take away Saquon Barkley, what the hell are you leaving that guy with to start his NFL career? So I do see value in bringing Saquon Barkley back on another hashtag for a young rookie quarterback. So I'm not giving the guy away for peanuts. He's too good of a football player. I'm not doing it. To play devil's advocate with that, though, if you do draft a rookie quarterback, what are the odds that he – plays a lot of the year i know it's new york and i know people will be pushing but we know that dable and shane don't cater to the fans they do what they want so say that quarterback sits for 15 games barkley's really not going to help him because then he'd be out of the tag and they'd have to sign him to another contract i also wonder if barkley would take another franchise tag now he got hurt this year so maybe he would but he's 27 at this point and again he dealt with another injury a year after us when he's going to be 28, when is he going to get that big payday? I don't like, I'm just more, I guess I'm more concerned about what Barkley would do 
if the Giants tagged him because he wasn't happy this year and he might just say, you know what the hell with it? This time I am holding out. This time I'm not playing on this. This team's not good. Yeah. Especially if they got a rookie quarterback. He may say, you know what? This team's not good. This team's rebuilding. I'm getting out of the prime of my career. I want to get paid. I want to go to a winner. I want to produce and I want to get my money That's and right. have a chance to win. So I guess I'm more concerned about Barkley's thought process as opposed to, you know, his trade value. Cause see, I still think you could get decent trade value, but if you let him walk, you get a compensatory pick. So you'd have to at least get more than the compensatory pick. Yeah. So I'm with you, Chris, I'm not giving away for peanuts, but I just worry about Barkley's mindset going into 2024. If they tagged him again. Yeah. yeah. I, I I'll tell you what, I'd be surprised if they tagged him again. Um, but to your point about the quarterback situation, if the Giants get within sniffing distance of one of these top quarterbacks that are coming out in the draft, yeah. I could see a scenario very easily where they take a, take one of these quarterbacks but keep Daniel Jones just sort of like a transition quarterback. You know, you think back to when Kurt Warner was the transition guy for Eli until Eli was ready. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you, you, you history repeats itself. That's and exactly just, what they would do. They'd, they'd have no choice but to do it. I mean, Daniel Jones's contract is is a you know huge. Well, they can trade that contract and they can save. Hypothetically, they could, but right. is the team going to be willing to take on that contract with the year of the job? Well, I think that it's possible. I mean, uh, it's not, it's really on not as bad as the contract think, as people yeah. make it out to be. To be honest, I think his yeah. neck it might yeah. have something to do with it though too. That, that's that too. That that yeah. that would probably. I, I agree with you. I think if we draft the quarterback, Jones is the starter to start the year. And probably for the first five or six weeks, and you see where it goes from there, and then you make the transition. That's probably what they would do. Absolutely, yeah. Because you know, you know, you think back to this team. You know, somebody asked me this question, and I never really got a chance to answer it, but I'll throw it out here now. Everybody's like, "How did we get this so wrong with this team?" You know, coming off the the nine seven and one record, a playoff berth, they mm-hmm. won a playoff game. They looked like you know they were miles ahead, and now they they've gone back to maybe looking the way they should have looked last year, if you think about it. And I blame, you know, in part the injuries because this roster is not the roster that they were planning to go into the season with. That's part of it, obviously. But also there's a lack of depth at certain spots, and that has come back to bite them. Yeah, You know, I mean, did they they really need to sign? I'm sorry, did they really need to sign, for example, Paris Campbell when they could have devoted that money to either an offensive lineman or an edge rusher? So just stuff like that, I think, you know. I think they they kind of just filled some gaps with a lot of guys that they can move on from. I think that maybe they were just trying to tread water this year. I don't know if they really went out. On paper, they looked better when they got Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt and JMS. It looked better. Bobby O'Karake, it looked better on paper. But I think a lot of these one-year deals are just to kind of tread water so that the Gettleman era is kind of being ushered out. You know, something Mm -hmm. I talked about on Twitter. Leo's going to be gone. I don't know what's going on with McKinney. That's a guy that's very tradable, in my opinion. And I love X. He's my favorite giant. But he's kind of seems like he's been disgruntled, probably because a lot of Thomas got paid, Jones got paid, Sexy Dexy got paid. And, you know, he's a captain and he's just kind of, even on Twitter, he said, like, I'm, so, I'm sick of feeling unappreciated, whatever it was. You know, these guys just come out with stuff. I don't, and they put off, talk, they're not going to talk about the contract all year of them. I don't know if that disgruntled them. It's possible that he doesn't come back. There's a lot of guys. It's possible Slayton, although I like Darius Slayton, but they'd save six million if they let him go. You could put that into an offensive lineman or an edge rusher if you choose to. So I feel like maybe that was their deal, and maybe they could strike, you know, catch lightning in a bottle two years in a row. 
it was a it's weird the way they did it but again they get out of all these contracts then they have a good amount of cap space where they can bring their own guys in here like i said as they usher the get them and guys out i can't imagine aziz ojalari will be back and a guy can't stay healthy so it, i hate that we're talking about this for halloween next year yeah yeah where I we know. are but here we are. We we have to, you know, that's the, that's the topic du jour, yeah. if you will. But you know, I could see, you know, I don't think Joe Shane, if they lose the next two games or one of the next two games, I don't think he goes crazy with trades. Could I see him maybe moving Leo if there's a taker? Absolutely. Because here's the other thing you got to remember: the Giants are in fairly good caps uh, sp- cap um, condition for next year, but they could be better. All right. Now, if you think about it, they basically re-signed all their big guns, if you will. Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas, Dexy, um, you know, Graham Gano, I, I believe, got a new one. Yep. Now, Barkley obviously would have to be addressed. So you, you add some more cap space, maybe you bring him back. Um, Xavier McKinney, I have a feeling he's not going to be back, as much gone. as I hate to admit it. But yeah. if you can trade one of these big contracts, like a Leo or a and a Dory Jackson. And I think Leo is the better, you know, the, the more likely of the two to get traded. You get cap space and you get additional draft picks because right now the Giants only have six picks next year. All right. They don't have the 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 chips, if you will, to move up and down the board. And depending on where they land in the draft order, you want to have those extra chips. Yeah, without question. I mean, you you, you know, I Patty, we may have talked about this last week. I don't remember because I'm getting old and there's a lot of things floating around in my brain. Um, but this is a mirror image. You know, I talked about 2021, but this is more 2017. The reason I say that is 2016, although the Giants were an older team and they spent a lot in free agency that year, they had a very weak schedule. They beat most of the weak teams by a touchdown or less. They played good teams. They got beat up pretty bad. They they were dominated by better teams. 2017, they drafted Evan Ingram. Looked like the offense improved. You were thinking this team's going back to the playoffs second year under Ben McAdoo. They played a tougher schedule. They got besieged by injuries. They ended up 3-13. and That's kind of what's happened this year. We played a weaker schedule last year. Won a lot of close games. This year, and, and we got dominated by Dallas and Philly and the better teams in the league. They beat us up pretty good. And this year, it's much tougher schedule, a lot of injuries to this team in general, especially on the offensive side of the football. And here we are again, we're one and five. So it's kind of a mirror image. Like I said, the only difference is that 2016 team is older than this one. I just remember them trading Snacks Harrison for a fifth. And I could see Leo going to a place like Miami, say. A, a contender the Raiders, the Raiders are probably the Raiders right? would, would be a team to watch. So I mean, it's very possible that if they get a fifth rounder for Leo and get rid of that contract, there's no reason. And here's the other thing. You know, people were saying, oh, well, who would take on that contract? Folks, you got to remember something. Depending on when he's traded, let's say, you know, he gets traded week eight. So that means he is owed, what, nine more weeks of salary? So you're prorating the savings for both the Giants and for the the acquiring team. So it's not like they're going to acquire, uh, what is Leo, an 18 million 30, base? Well, that's 30. his total cap. Oh, gotcha. his base. It's like 18 million. So oh, it's gosh. not like the acquiring team is going to have to put out 18 million to fit them in. It's going to be um, 18 divided by uh, seven, 18 million divided by 17 weeks. And then you multiply that per week by however many weeks are left by the time the trade is made. So that's how that works. 
So yeah, it is very possible that somebody may want to take on that contract. And, you know, the Giants didn't do anything with him to, to lower his cap number. They're not extending him. I get the feeling they're going to move on from him anyway. So if they can get a fifth round pick, like, like Doggy said, um, why not do it? Yeah, the, the, the only counter argument I could make to that is you might be able to, you, especially if you're not going to spend next year, you'd probably get a higher comp pick for Leo. I mean, we've seen the market for interior defensive linemen. You saw what they signed this offseason. Dalvin Tomlinson got $17 million a year, 16, whatever he got. So you may just say, eh, let Leo sign somewhere else next year. We'll get a fourth-round comp pick. But yeah, but you won't I get that until the following year. You wouldn't get it to the following. Of course, you wouldn't right. get it to the following year. That's but if, the only but if you can get a draft I, pick, you can use the draft pick next year. Yeah, if you can get a fifth-round pick for Leo, you do it. I yeah. mean, he's. Not, I agree with you. If you get a fifth-round pick for Leo, you do it. If somebody's willing to take on that contract. Yeah. I mean, it, it, don't rule it out because, like you said, it's not going to be the full $18 million that the team is going to have to absorb. And as yeah. far as the cap savings, you know, it, it, it becomes a post-June 1st transaction. So, the, you know, not, not that it matters because I think Leo has a, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's got a voidable year next year. So the money's spread out anyway the, the, regarding the, the uh, cap. Like $6 million next year. Right? Yeah, what, so it kind of, you know, cancels each other out. So yeah. I could definitely, you know – I would not be surprised. I mean, it, it, that would probably be the number one guy I would think if they were looking to move somebody, he would be it. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. He I, said, think, well, I think he's Barkley, but I think the price has to be right. Yeah. I, I, Barkley, I'd be surprised. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if, if Barkley gets moved. I really would. You know, I'll throw out a guy, you know, a, a name that, and, and somebody asked me about this today. And, and nobody's talking about this guy as a possible trade chip. So, Darren Waller? No, no. You're 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 kind of close, and it's not Bellinger. Isaiah Hodgins. You know, Hodgins has kind of Maybe. seen his snaps roll back a little bit. Yep. If the Giants wanted to move one of those receivers, because Lord knows they got a whole bunch of them, and they you know they're scaling it back, like I said before. Maybe they look to move Hodgins. He's a young enough guy. He's under contract, I think, for I think for two years. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. Maybe you look to move him. Or maybe a guy like, you know, you think about a team like the Chiefs, who's kind of void of weapons. You look over there, a guy like Paris Campbell might play really well in that system. We, we they had a, they made a trade with us last year for Tony. May, you know, maybe a guy like that could make sense for a team like They Campbell. do like Giants receivers. Richie James is also over there. So. Yeah. Yep. I could see Campbell fitting in very well there. I, you know, if, it's if possible. You, maybe get a fifth round pick for him. So, yeah, things like that I think are possible. It's possible. I mean, you can't rule it out. I just, I just feel that if they do make a trade, it's going to be one that's going to have everybody go, whoa, did not see that happening. So, I'm kind of thinking outside the box here on what scenarios would, would, would prompt somebody to say, wow, I didn't see that happening. Yeah, I think Wall. I mean, I think Waller would be a whoa. I didn't see because we just got him this year, but he hasn't really been involved in the offense at all. And yeah. I think he's here. I, what they signed? They what, is he on a three-year deal? Or I, I, I think, think so. Be. I think he's got, yeah. He just redid his deal. So so I, and it's not that much. So no. I mean, a team like Cincinnati, say, who could use a tight end. Um, yeah, I don't think they'd trade Waller. I'd be yeah. I, I'm just saying that would be a whoa. I didn't see that one coming. You know, right, I, right. Because they, they didn't bring Waller in here to trade him. They they, they brought him in here to be. They didn't sign him to trade him. him. That's right. Well, it's not Gettleman, so we, you know, <laughs> I think we're okay there. Yeah, let me see. Waller has he signed through twenty twenty six. 
Yeah. And he has guaranteed money this year and no guaranteed money the remaining years of his contract. I so, thought they, if I'm not mistaken, I thought they backloaded some of that money before the year. They started. did. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, not to be, although again, I don't think they, they look to trade him. I'd be stunned if, if, if it's Waller, but I could see Leo, I could see maybe Hodgins as a potential, um, trade option. I don't think Barkley will be the guy that they, they look to move, but if somebody comes along and gives Joe Shane an offer, he can't refuse. Why not? Yeah, if a team like Baltimore came along and said, listen, we'll give you a second and, and a fifth next, you know, in 2025, they might have to do it. Like, Baltimore don't have the running back. They're using Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, and a team like Baltimore could certainly use a Barkley. He'd also be reunited with Odell Beckham for whatever that means. But Baltimore is mm-hmm. a good fit for Saquon. Um, the, well, the Jets don't really – they have Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall's back, but – I don't see you the Giants know. trading anybody. No, they wouldn't trade with the Jets anyway. But. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, all right. A couple people have asked for injury updates and statuses and stuff like that, starting with Daniel Jones. All right. So Daniel Jones all this week limited, but did not do any team drills. He also is not cleared for contact or was not cleared for contact as of this afternoon when they practice. Folks, I would be stunned, and I mean stunned, if Jones plays on Sunday. Yeah. You know, Dable says, oh, I have no problem with it if, if he comes in, even though he hasn't practiced. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I, no, some I weird one out of those two guys. I don't know what it is. It's, yeah, I, I, I just I just don't see. So I, I right now, if I had a guess, I would say probably no on Daniel Jones. But a guy who I'm concerned about is Evan Neal. And I think, you know, a lot of people mentioned this today. So Evan Neal did not practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday, did not practice today. And I believe he got a questionable designation with that ankle. I'm wondering if he's going to be able to go and we're going to have another. Well, we are going to have another offensive line uh, combination. But my goodness, these shakeups. Yeah, that's great. But he had the ankle last week, right? Yeah, yeah, but he practiced, I think. I think he was okay. yeah, I mean, that was, his, that was his best game this year, so maybe the ankle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, he played well. What's I, mean, up with, I don't know if anybody asked in the chat. So we know about that. What about John Michael Schmitz? Like, what is the deal with the shoulder? You know, it. I saw John Michael the other day in the locker room. Didn't have a wrap on. Didn't have anything on his shoulder. He looked like he was moving it okay. So I, I really don't know what the deal is. Is it... You know, it, it could be a stinger. Maybe it's a sting. I don't know. But he, he didn't have any wrap. Or, you know, usually guys that have injuries, they they walk around with a wrap on their whatever part of their body is, is affected, um, you know, or they limp or whatever. John Michael was moving, you know, fine. He was reaching for stuff in his locker and moving his arms around. And I was like, hmm. So I, I really don't know. I, I'm mystified about that one, to be honest with you. So, uh, let's see. Somebody also asked about Andrew Thomas. Supposedly, the Jet game was was the week that they were going to hope to ramp him up for. I don't know, man. I've, I've heard his his injury is pretty bad, and he had that setback when he what tried to practice a few weeks ago. So they basically went back to square one. I mean, I wonder if we see Andrew Thomas. Until, you know, like after the bye, which, you know, at that point, we're almost done with this season. 
But yeah. hopefully, hopefully Andrew gets back because they miss him. Well, he, I mean, could he be an IR designation? Short-term IR? He could be, but at this point, I don't think they're going to do that. Okay. If they were going to do it, they should have done it weeks ago. Well, we know this team hasn't done what they should have been doing all year. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. And uh, I, I know somebody – I oh, somebody's asking about um, – Jay Walnuts is asking about Aaron Robinson, kind of the forgotten guy. Last I checked with Aaron Robinson, he had no idea what they were thinking. He he told me he was feeling better. He was feeling good. He was moving around. And But you know what? Do they really need him at this point is the question. You know, you can't just bring a guy back unless you, you have a roster spot for him. And right now, to me, I would think the priority is making sure they've got what they need on the offensive line. So maybe bringing Aaron Robinson back. You know, they can afford to wait if they need to. I don't even know what worth Aaron Robinson brings at this point. <laughs> has yeah. he played? Has he, I swear he hasn't played a snap in a real NFL game. Doesn't seem like it anyway. It's been forever. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's barely played at all as a giant. He's a guy I was really looking forward to last year and just hasn't been there. He, yeah. hasn't, he hasn't shown up for this team. I don't know what's happened. I mean, he, he's, he, he was so positive. I remember the start of last year, he was so excited and you know and and then he had the the uh appendicitis um and then the, the knee issue popped up and it was like goodness this kid is snake bit yeah so that was very uh, you know very unfortunate for him but he is still on pup he's eligible to come off pup but right now like i said do you really need him at this point you know if you get a rash of injuries or maybe you trade a, a cornerback which i doubt you know I, i'm not so sure they would do then maybe you talk about it, but you know, do they really need him at this point? You know, let him heal, let him heal up. You know, yeah, completely. I'm, I'm with you. I'd like to see Cordell Flock continue to get more exposure. Uh, Deontay Banks. Mm-hmm. There's, no need, there's no need for Aaron Robinson. Like Trey play. Hawkins. Trey yeah. Hawkins, absolutely. All right. Uh, Papa Guzzo asks if we trade Aziz. Papa Guzzo, who's going to take him? My goodness, yeah, yeah, he's always injured. But yeah. I'll, we'll indulge it anyway. Can Isaiah be a good edge rusher? You know, it's interesting. They haven't used Isaiah Simmons much in that role. That yeah. after supposedly saying that that's what they were going to do. And I don't understand why. Yeah. I really I, I, don't understand why. It's like, it's like you see Isaiah Simmons make a splash play here or there, you know, but not what you thought you were getting. And I, and I, I'm not really sure what they're doing there with him. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think Mike McFadden has played, taken the role that a lot of people maybe thought, at least that I thought Simmons would be used as a blitzer up the middle a lot, but Mike McFadden's played well. So maybe that has something to do with it. That could but, be. Yeah, but yeah, they haven't, they have not used Simmons off the edge at all. He's gotten a lot of snaps, but like you said, they haven't really used him as a guy, you know, going after the passer. Yeah, I wish they would. I would just, I just wish they would just let him and Kayvon just go after the quarterback. Yeah, because that that's that's their strengths, especially on third down. I hate seeing Kayvon Thibodeau drop back into coverage on third down. That, that drives me crazy. Let him go after. That's what we got him for. Let that's, him hunt. You know, let him go. Let him go. Yeah. Third and eight. Let let him go after the quarterback. Let him get because he's going to get there. Let him let him let him ha- just go. You know, like LT, <laughs> go get the quarterback. Alec D could do whatever he wanted to do. He was Lawrence Taylor. But we had told LT, go get the quarterback. He got the quarterback. And even when Parcells didn't tell him to get the quarterback, I think that was back in 1981 or 82, and 
uh, you know, Parcel says, we don't even have what you're doing. And Taylor says, well, you better put it in then because it's good. So, you know. Yeah. He, he was special. He was definitely was special greatest. LT. Yeah. And, but uh, to your point, yeah, I, I wonder if Michael McFadden's emergence kind of, you know, curtailed what they might have been planning to do with Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, another guy who's been sort of invisible and it's kind of been disappointing is Boogie Basham. Yeah. Oh. Haven't said I anything. Mean, yeah. What are they doing with these guys? I, 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 you know, did they maybe, I don't know, did they maybe stock up thinking that, oh, just in case? I mean, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's funny about it because last year we raved about how this team had a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. They were well prepared for every situation. And like you mentioned, it's like they just brought in a bunch of guys and they, like you said, one play builds off another. And it's just kind of like we just have a jumbled mess. This isn't a team. It's a group of individuals. And you don't play well as a group of individuals. You have to be on the same page. Injuries play a part in that, obviously. But, yeah, bringing in all these pieces, and it seems like they didn't really have a set plan for any of them. It's just kind of like they brought them in here and like, okay, we'll figure it out when they get here, mm. which wasn't the way this team coached and prepared last year. So it's very strange the way it's gone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to answer this question from Danny Boy. Do you think offensive and defensive coordinators get let go after this year? I don't think so. But I would not be stunned. If maybe Kafka goes to Northwestern and takes that job, I yeah, mean, yeah, I, I don't think Wink's gone at all. I don't I, think I, so I, either. I think the defense is starting to play better. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, I think Wink keeps his job. I don't think he's a guy that's going to warrant a head coaching position, especially this year with the way that the team has played. And I think the defense is starting to get better. So I definitely think Wink's going to be back next year. Kafka's interesting. I, I, I could see, I don't think they'll fire Kafka. Hey, you never no. know. That. Um, but, um, yeah, Kafka is interesting. I think the guys that are going to be replaced though, are, are the position coaches. I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to go with the coordinators. I think it's going to be, uh, the offensive line coach. I think he's gone. I think especially think so. Coach, Cause he's, he's buddies gone. with the, he's buddies, you know, he and Dable are kind of tight. You really, I know, I know he is, but Patty, if, and who knows how this season's going to turn out. Maybe the giants finish strong and maybe they win seven games and, 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 you know, we say, all right, let's, let's build off of this. Like the Lions did last year. Yeah. Like the Lions did last year. We, 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 we got a lot of injuries at the beginning of the year. We played a really tough schedule. So maybe that's the way that the year ends. But if this year continues going down the path that it's gone, the fans are going to need blood. Somebody's going to have to be fired. It's it's, it's going to happen. And and the first guy that the fans are going to be pointed to, if you're not firing the coordinators is the offensive line coach, the offensive line has been, in shambles. I mean, it's been so bad. So yeah. I think Bobby Johnson's probably going to be fired. I know he's got a connection to Dable, but I think he's the guy that falls on the sword. Yeah. I mean, I the reason why I wouldn't be surprised if Kafka takes the Northwestern job, besides the fact that he's from Northwestern, going back to what I said earlier about how I suspect there's too many cooks in the kitchen now with the play calling, whereas last year that wasn't necessarily the case. So you just kind of wonder if, you know, that might factor into the equation. Plus, you know, I, I, he hasn't been lately, but I noticed Kafka has been a little bit more active on social media, at least throughout the summer and the beginning of the season. Usually that's a tactic a coach, uh, an assistant coach uses if he wants to increase his visibility and, oh, hey, I'm out here if you want to hire me. So just little subtle things like that have me thinking that that might happen. If they if he did move on, would they 
Would Dable just call the plays? Would they you know have what? To- That's an interesting point. And I think I think he should. And here's why. And I know this is going to surprise a lot of people because I'm always I've always been okay. Look, don't have the head coach call the plays because have him be a CEO. But here's the thing. Wink is an experienced defensive coordinator. He can handle running that defense by himself. He does mm-hmm. not need Dable to oversee him. Matter of fact, I don't think Dable oversees him at all. He just, you know, he'll listen in, but he basically Wink runs that defense as he sees fit. All right. Assuming T-Mac comes back, that's, you know, they can talk about that stuff. And But T-Mac is experienced enough. All right. And I know some of you want to see T-Mac gone. We'll see if he if he's back or we not. We could bring Joe Judge but, back as a special team. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Wouldn't that be something? But Dable now, you know, if you have Dable calling the plays, I think in this instance, it could work. I really do. I mean, well, I think, I I think that was the inevitable, the inevitable, that was going to happen at some point. Um, that's why I wanted Dable in the first place because you, you have that to fall back on if you lose your offensive coordinator, whether it be to right. him doing a poor job or whether it be him, him getting another job. So, yeah, I think it's inevitable. Once we lose Kafka, um, I think Dable's going to be the play caller. I, I, I really do. I think for nothing else, familiarity with whoever the quarterback is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think it will be Dable if, we, if Kafka moves right. on. And, and Shea Tierney will probably get promoted to offensive coordinator. But it'll be like a few years ago when um, who was it that was out here? Shermer, Mike, Shermer uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, Mike something. Yeah, uh, Shula. Uh, Shula. Shula. Yes. Shula, yeah, yeah. Shula was was the was the offensive coordinator, but not the not the play caller. So I could see an arrangement like that if Kafka does leave to take you know a, a coaching job. So yeah, no, somebody's rise are done. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, did an angel angel get his wings or something? All right. Um, Fabian says, what credentials does Dable have? Fabian, he's been an offensive coordinator. Hello. I mean, come on, man. He was the OC for for Alabama. He was the OC for the Bills. I mean, that's not good enough for you. Right. So. Um, I mean, what credentials do any head coaches have? What credentials did Joe Judge have coming here? Just being a special teams coordinator. Normally, that's you, you rise up the ranks. You're a quarterback, you're a quarterback coach. Then maybe you become the offense coordinator, then you become the head coach. Or, I, like, I think Parcells was the linebackers coach. I don't know if Parcells ever became the defense coordinator. I just remember he was the linebackers coach. Then I think he, he became the head coach. I don't remember he was. Well, I'll check was the defense. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure he was the defensive coordinators. Okay. I'll look it up. But I, I know like Belichick was like a special teams guy in the seventies with Indianapolis. And then he became, I remember he was a linebackers coach, yep. became the defensive coordinator and then became the best head coach ever. One he, of them. He was dog. I was right. 1981 to 82. He was DC and linebackers. Coach. Okay. So he was both. He was. Yes. Both. Okay. And now that I think about it, I remember uh, George Martin talking about how they would, how they didn't want to share. Uh, not George Martin. I'm sorry, Harry Carson talking about how they didn't want to share him with the rest of the defense. Yeah. So he was he was good, man. Parcells was the man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, guys, let's take a, uh, our first commercial break here. So when we come back, we'll continue talking about um, the Giants. They've got a, a, a hopefully a quote unquote get right game this weekend. And then, of course, we will get some of your questions in as we go along here on Locked on Giants Live. Please don't go anywhere.
Hey, Giant fans, you never know when an unexpected illness is going to strike. You could be on vacation in another country or tucked miles away from civilization at a quiet island retreat. Well, now you don't need to be caught unprepared when you have Jace Medical's Jace Case. The Jace Case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your Jace Case by adding other medications based on your needs. To get your Jace case, head to jacemedical.com to complete a medical intake form. And if warranted, one of their board-certified physicians will reach out to further discuss your specific needs. Once you're approved, Jace will handle everything from issuing the prescriptions to having the medication shipped straight to your door. And right now, you can save $20 off your Jace case with the promo code LOCKEDON. Visit jacemedical.com, that's J-A-S-E medical.com to get started. And don't forget that promo code locked on to save $20 off your Jace case. Hey, Giant fans, snap into NFL action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. The New York Giants are a two and a half point underdog this weekend at home, but historically the Giants have found a way to top their longtime division rival Washington Commanders, which would mean if they do so again this weekend, they'll beat the spread. So this is just one of the many types of bets you can place with FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more, no matter what the sport. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and get started. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina, Tana, and Dog, and we're doing what we do best. We're talking Giants. And uh, guys, I was here talking about them like we were last year at this point. We were five and one. I know. Beautiful thing. Hopefully, we finished five and one like last year. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. And uh, guys, let's talk about this weekend's game. Washington, you know, it's a team that the Giants historically have handled, you know, in recent years. Um, how are you feeling about this game? I think we're going to win. I, I And I know that might sound crazy to a lot of people because we're one in five. Um, and, hey, I thought we were going to win many weeks this year, and we didn't. So, so you know, we might get destroyed. But I, I look at this game, Patty, I say this defense is starting to play a lot better. You, you We talked about earlier Sam Howell. He's a turnover-prone quarterback. Washington has let up a lot of sacks. Wink's a guy that I think, especially for an inexperienced quarterback, could cause a lot of fits with the type of defense that he runs, especially with their lack of ability to protect for him. I think we're going to create some turnovers in this game, and I think the Giants are going to win, provided that we don't turn the ball over ourselves. Like, if Tyrod's the quarterback this week, which I think he's going to be, he's got to play like he did last week. I don't even need big plays. Just don't turn the ball over. Manage the game and let the defense win the game. So if they do that, I think they'll win. I think they're going to create some turnovers against Hal. I also think the Giants are going to win, and I put that out on Twitter at the beginning of the week. I said, call me crazy. I feel like we're winning on Sunday. Heavy dose of 26. Heavy yeah. dose of 26. I mean, Saquon Barkley, historically in his career, has done extremely well against Washington, as does Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones obviously not going to play. Daniel Jones really should be undefeated against Washington. We all know that the only reason he lost the game was because Dexter Lawrence jumped off sides, which he wasn't off sides, and they got a chance to make the game-winning field goal after they'd missed it. So it really should be 6-0. Not to mention he had a touchdown call back in that game for 33 yards. That was an invisible holding, and Darius Slayton dropped the touchdown. I mean, I remember Daniel Jones killed them in that game. 
mm-hmm. in 2021 and we ended up losing. And that's how you know you're a bad team because bad things happen to you. But I just feel like the offense was more balanced. I feel like Tyrod Taylor having, you know, it, it's just different. You know, when I talked to Louie about this, he was like, you guys don't have film on Sam Howell. Sam Howell played really well against the Eagles. And it's true. But how much tape does anybody have on Tyrod Taylor? You have tape on Tyrod Taylor from back in his days of Buffalo and Cleveland. But you don't really have any tape with him with the Giants. So how do you really prepare for Tyrod Taylor? Because, again, we saw those deep shots that Darius Slayton was much more involved. We saw Jalen Hyde get, you know, throw some passes down. We saw Darren Waller get involved. You saw a lot of different receivers get involved. And, again, it was a heavy – you saw Saquon Barkley run the ball effectively. So I think the offense can do enough, like Chris said, if we don't turn it over. But like Chris said as well, the defense has to win this game. It is by far our best unit. It has played really, really well. They played extremely well against Seattle. I know they gave up 24 points. Well, they gave up 17. But one started at the seven-yard line, and one was a pick six. So really, they gave up 14. They got pressure on Geno Smith. Um, They shut down one of the best offenses in the league last week. Deontay Banks is been the best against yeah. receivers. He's going to get a chance with Terry McLaurin this week. Mm-hmm. But if we can hold them up a little bit and Sam Howell doesn't get the ball off immediately, there's definitely turnovers to be had here. He turned the ball over five times against Buffalo. So it is very possible Wink Martindale's ability to, you know, scheme blitzes or if the Giants front four can get there, we definitely got a chance to win this game. And I just always feel confident against Washington. It's no knock on Washington. You right. said recently, historically, no team has owned a team like the Giants have owned Washington. Beat them 105 or 106 times. No team's beat another team more than that. Yeah. So I always feel good against Washington. We'll see what happens. All right. I, I mean, I feel good about it too. And it's funny because I said way back, you know, after the Giants kept proving me wrong, I said I would not pick the Giants unless I had a reason to believe that they could win the game. I got to be honest with you. When I saw against Buffalo, Gave me a little bit of hope that they could get it done. I mean, I did not like 0 for 5 in the red zone. I did not like 0 for 3 on goal to go. I mean, there's just no excuse for that. I'm going to dampen our hopes just a little bit and bring us back to reality. One major thing that I don't think we've talked about in that game quite yet, uh, the Buffalo game, that I think was a major factor that I talked about before the year started, Brian Dable's knowledge of Josh Allen, I think, was a major factor in that game. And I think it had a lot to do with how well the defense played. Don't think for a second that he didn't tell uh, Wink Martindale how to game plan against that offense. Nobody knows that offense better than him. So mm-hmm. I'm start, I'm like trying to channel myself and say, don't get too over-enthusiastic about the defense. Let's see if they can keep this up against teams they're not as familiar with as Buffalo. But, of course, a really good performance. And I do think they'll play good this week against Washington. Yeah. And it's kind of like last year when we played Baltimore. We knew Wink knew how to defend Lamar Jackson better than anybody. And in the second half, they really did. They they shut him down. So, again, Sam Al's a rookie. He's been up and down. That happens to rookies. He has really good games. He has mistakes. You know, he makes mistakes. Uh, we have to force him into mistakes. When you have a struggling offense, you really do need to – to not just force turnovers, but sometimes you might even have to score in defense. You might have to really like put us in position to score where we take over. Like, you know, Thibodeau did last year when we played Washington where he had the strip sack fumble touchdown where you get the ball inside the 10-yard line on a turnover. You don't got to go very far. So it's definitely a game I can see us getting more turnovers and forcing some interceptions and some bad throws and getting to Sam Howell. So uh, if we don't, though, 
one thing I mentioned that I really do like about Sam Howell, and I saw this when they played the Eagles, he's not afraid to stand in there and take a hit while delivering a pass. So he's not gun shy. Like he doesn't just, you know, fade away or run out of the pie. He's not like premature, which is why he's getting sacked a lot. He doesn't really run out of the pocket prematurely, but he can scramble, which is something they have to be aware of too. He can run a little bit. So again, normally I'm extremely confident against why I'm not confident. I just feel like we're going to win. I wouldn't say I'm confident that we're going to win, but I I feel like we're going to. I'm yeah. going to pick the giants to win. And you know, I, I just, there's something about playing. Oh, spread. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Washington. The spread, the spread's two and a half. I think, right. This what is is yeah, that's what you said. Two and yeah. A half, I yeah. think the giants, you know, the, are they favorite or are they underdogs? Washington underdogs. Washington's favorite. Okay. I would have I was going to say Washington's favorite by three. That was going to be my guess. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I think, I think it's going to be a close scoring game, but you know, I think the Giants pull this one out. I, I just, I saw enough last week that got me encouraged. Now, obviously, there's still com- concerns. Another yeah. offensive line combination. Yeah. You know, uh, the red zone problems continue on offense. Got to start scoring. But the defense gave me, you know, and 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 it could be like Chris said, it could be oh, you know, Dable knew how to how to, you know, all of Josh Allen's weaknesses and whatnot, that maybe that's it, but also take that as a confidence builder for this defense. Because when I talked to guys, uh, you know, I talked to O'Karake this week, I talked to uh, Adoree Jackson uh, and and we were talking about, you know, the confidence builder and they, they said a game like that absolutely does build confidence. He says, sometimes all you need is that little push to say, Hey, we are good. We are as good as we think we can be, and we can be even better. So you don't underestimate that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And, I mean, if we're being fair, the teams we've lost to this year have been really good teams. Uh, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Bills. Um, we've lost to the upper echelon teams. Now we're playing a team that's more in our weight class. So I, I think we stand a good chance to win this game. I really do. Yeah, I, don't I, forget I, Miami, who I Miami, think. yeah. Yeah. Are, Miami, I mean, in my opinion, was in the league. Bad dog. Five of the top eight teams in the league, arguably, we played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah for sure. All right, Jordan Samiti asks if Pew moves back to left guard, who plays left tackle, and if Evan Neal can't play, who plays right? Jordan, I think Pew is going to play left tackle. That would be my guess. Left guard. I'm trying. You know, I I, I, w- I was asked that question earlier today, and I could not. That name escaped me, and it still is. If Evan Neal can't play, I'm wondering if it's going to be Tyree Phillips because Tyree Phillips played right tackle for the Giants last year when Evan Neal was down. But left left guard, I mean, would they plug McKethan in there? You think or or, or not uh, not McKethan, um, Glowinski who was played there, and put maybe McKethan at right guard, or do you add in um, you know one of these these guys that they signed? Uh, Miles, although I doubt I doubt they would do that because Miles, you know, just got back here and doesn't know the playbook maybe as well as as Tyree Phillips who was here over the summer. So I mean, what do you guys think for the offensive line if you had to map it out from left to right? Pray, uh, <laughs> pray. I, I mean, besides that, yeah. I, I mean, my God, uh, who's even healthy? I mean, my guy. I, I mean, I is who's healthy? Brett is healthy. Pugh, right, yeah, Bredesen, right. McKethan, um, this guy Miles that they added, Tyree Phillips is healthy. Uh, I got to look at the list of who's who on the roster. I'm yeah, drawing a blank. Whoever's healthy is going to play because everybody else is hurt. So right. it's like, 
It's just a matter of where they play. I mean, they're all hurt, especially if Evan Neal doesn't play too. Yeah. That would that would be a kick in the in, in the teeth, wouldn't it? There, if Tyree Phillips plays really well, should we send all the linemen to Philadelphia for six weeks to figure it out? <laughs> like a boot camp type of thing? Maybe. Yeah. Sean Harlow's a guy who I think can play center guard if they need him to. Uh Joshua Miles, I don't think they would they would have him play since he just got here. So I don't know if he would be ready, but yeah, they're kind of thin at tackle. If you think. Looking at it, it, I mean, Tyree Phillips can play tackle if they need him to. So can Justin Pugh. Uh, Joshua Miles is listed as a tackle. And then Evan Neal, we don't know if he's questionable right now. Matt Parrott has been declared out. Andrew Thomas has been declared out. Marcus McKethan, I I think he played uh, guard in in college, right? He didn't didn't play tackle? No. Yeah, so – I don't know. It, it, I, think, it's, I think you put Pew back at the tackle, even though it's not where I want him. It's not as I want him at the guard when think people are healthy. But if we're as banged up as we are, I think Pew showed you enough last week where, even though I do think fans are overhyping him a little bit, yeah, <laughs> because he did. I mean, it was miraculous that he was. He didn't even. He didn't look embarrassing out there coming off the couch. Um, yeah. But I think people need straight to straight off the couch. Yeah, but I don't expect Pew to be this great lineman for this team. But it was it was an encouraging performance. But I think. I think you play him at the left tackle, probably as crazy as that sounds for a second straight week. Not Not crazy at all. And for those of you interested over on GiantsCountry.com, Coach Gene Clemens did a film breakdown of Pew snaps at guard and tackle where the strengths were, where the weaknesses are. So if you want to check that article out, it's on GiantsCountry.com by Coach Gene Clemens, who does the film work for us over there. So, I mean, yeah, Pew has been practicing, I think, at both spots, to be honest with you. Um, he hasn't played tackle, you know, prior to last week, that is. He hadn't played tackle since, I think, 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And he's more of a guard, obviously. But you know what? Look, they can probably do things if they need to to help him out, I would think. You know? well, I'm sure they will. You're going to see a ton of 12 personnel. And yeah. we got to do exactly what we did last week. Like, we got to run the hell out of football. I don't care. I don't care if we have – 18 carries for 22 yards or whatever we had last week. Same exact game plan. Boring, slow down the game. We can't pass protect with this offensive line consistently. So yeah. they got to do what they did last week. They got to they gotta try to run the ball. Yeah. All right, James Vegas asked about Lael Collins. James, just a guess here, but they worked him out, obviously, as you know. Maybe Lael Collins isn't ready yet from his injury, and they fi- they figured, okay, you know what? We'll put you on our short list if we have – you know, something that pops up, that could be why they didn't sign him. Because think about it. They went and they brought back Phillips. They went and they brought back, uh, they brought in Josh Miles. You know, they added Pew to the 53-man roster. What does that tell you about Lael Collins? Either he, he had a bad workout or he's not fully healthy enough to where he can give them quality snaps. So that's probably why Lael Collins also didn't sign with the Jets, from what I understand. Yeah, I think the Jets were interested. I was, I was just about to bring that up. The Jets brought him in, I think, the day before the day after. He didn't sign with them either. So it's clearly something there that they didn't like. Yeah. I mean, he's, he might not be healthy yet. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, okay, let's see. We've got a question here from Freedom516. Why don't we use Gray more with the run game? It's Saquon and, and Brita. I mean, Gray is... Pass protection is is a key with these younger running backs, you know. I mean, so that could be part of the reason why. And you know, that right now they're trying to find a role for him, you know, as as a return specialist. I'm not particularly impressed 
by him as a punt returner. Um, but they're trying to, you know, get him snaps to keep him, you know, keep his head in the game, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to get a more expanded role, obviously, once Saquon's not here, which we'll see how soon that's going to be. Is it going to be midseason this year? Is it going to be next year? Is it going to be the year after? But I think that's when you'll see Gray start to get a more expanded role. Before then, yeah. next year maybe becomes the backup if Saquon stays, and maybe Breida probably won't be back. But I don't, at this point, I don't expect Gray, unless we trade Barkley, to get much yeah. more role than he's gotten. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, his time will come. It, it yeah. will definitely come. But, you know, right now, as long as Saquon, who, by the way, Saquon did not get an injury designation, so he's off the injury report. So Good. it's going to be Saquon for sure. All right. Uh, Tau, Tau Abel Island, will Shep get a chance to play? Probably not a whole lot of snaps if he does. I mean, you look at what the Giants have done at the receiver. So their primary guys have been um, Slayton, Hyatt, and Robinson. And if you kind of like think about it, you can kind of mix and you know swap guys out. So, for example, Hyatt is your is one of your outside guys. So maybe he's like a uh, uh, Hodgins, for example, or you know uh, Wandale Robinson's your slot guy. So maybe he's a, a Paris Campbell. So I I don't think you know I would be surprised if we see a lot of Shep. Um, which is a shame because I know he wants to play. You know, I, ch- I always check in on him when I go into the locker room. We always, you know, spend a few minutes talking, but um, he's also, you know, willing to do whatever it takes for the team. So if it means he's got to sit on the on the bench and coach guys up, that's what he's doing. So. You know, Shep, I don't, I don't see Shepard having a big role. I, I, I think they kind of brought him back just because I think part of it was for leadership and locker room presence. I don't think mm-hmm. they ever really, Thought he was going to be a big part of the offense, and that's you know they brought Hodgins back, they brought Slayton back, they brought in Paris Campbell, they brought in Darren Waller. So he kind of fell by the wayside because there's just we have a lot of receivers like Shep, and, and unfortunately for him, you know he's getting older. We all are, uh, but he has dealt with a, a multitude of injuries in his career, and they I feel like they brought Paris Campbell in to kind of take that spot until Wandale got healthy and. There's just not there's just not a lot of snaps for slot wide receivers because we have so many of them. Um, I love Shepard. I mean, I'm a Sooner fan. I, I love him. when yeah. they got him. It yeah. stinks that his career is going the way it has, but I yeah. I do think he was brought in here more as a leader, uh, and and like I said, more of a coach, lead by example type of guy. Um, but it just hasn't worked out for him as far as playing. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, but like I said, he's not going to complain. You know, he's not going to say go to the, the to Joe Shane and say, I want to be released. You know, Cole Beasley did that um, today, apparently decided yeah. that, you know, there's no path for me to be on this roster. So I want off. All right. You know, so yeah. sometimes it's some guys don't want that. Some guys don't mind it. Uh, you know, it, it, it kind of depends, to be honest with you. So, all right. Scott Young asked about Tommy DeVito, if he's the backup. I've got a pers- I've got a thought about the quarterback situation. But first to answer your, your question, Scott, they did not sign any quarterbacks, which you can probably view as a positive that Jones is headed in the right direction. But I have a thought about DeVito because I saw a lot of people, you know, a lot of my colleagues on, on Twitter said, Oh, we'll know what, what's going on with Jones, depending on what the giants do with DeVito on Saturday. You know what guys, I would be shocked if they bring DeVito up regardless. And here's why I say that. Because if Jones is cleared to play on Sunday, and I, I think that's a big if, 
you want to have an emergency quarterback just in case he takes that hit, that wrong hit, and he gets knocked out of the game. You know, I think if you're the Giants, you play it safe. They have what they need on the offensive line. So it's not like I don't think they'll bring up any offensive linemen off the practice squad. You could make an argument. Maybe they bring up O'Shane Zimenez to, to help on uh, outside linebacker. But I would not be surprised if Tommy DeVito is brought up from the practice squad, regardless of what happens with Jones. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bring I wouldn't play Jones this week unless he's 100 percent, which it clearly does not appear he's going to be. Um, I think we showed, especially with this banged up offensive line. You're gonna put you're gonna put a less than 100 Daniel Jones back behind that line. Uh, no, for me, I, I come out with a similar game game approach as we did last week. Tyrod Taylor showed he's more than capable of keeping us in the game, which is what you want from your backup quarterback. That's what I go to war with this week. I, I don't rush Daniel Jones back. Um, yeah, I don't I don't see the point in it. Yeah, there is no point. We're one in yeah. five. Yeah, we're not at this point. We're not battling for anything except for a top draft pick. And again, this is a neck. This isn't. This is not a groin. This is not a hammy. It's not a calf. I mean, it's it's his neck. If he's not cleared for contact, the man has been taking contact all year, which is why he's in the predicament he's in. So yeah. there's no way you can put him back there in this situation. You you have to at least sit him out one more week until they say he's cleared for contact at the beginning of the week. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, Saturday, oh, you're cleared for contact. Hell no, that's not enough time. For him to get right. And the fact that Daniel Jones has said, you know, this is not the same neck injury. It's a different neck injury. So he's got One two neck injuries. Practice for it. What's that? One that he couldn't practice with last week after right. having it. You don't mess with the guy's neck. So, yeah. you know, just he can sit another week. And what do we have to lose? Yeah. Another game. We've yeah. been doing that all year. So what's, <laughs> the, what's the difference if he sits or not, you know? Yeah. You know, so, as somebody who's been dealing with a neck injury, um, they, you don't screw around with those. They yeah. can be, you're not getting hit by, and I'm not getting hit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, they linger, you know, you get a pinched nerve in your neck. They linger. Yeah. yeah. That's like, what uh, I get for uh, doing. Is down there. I did no. perform at the gym dog. I should have, I should have checked with you on my form and I would have <laughs> never had this injury. <laughs> Listen, like Mike says in the thing, my favorite group there, well, one of my favorite, Wu-Tang Clan, protect your neck. That's right. Protect there you neck. go. Protect your neck. I like it. I like it. All right. This is an interesting uh, question. SETI 079, do you think Dexter Lawrence would help the run on the goal line as a fullback in certain situations? It's not a horrible suggestion. I don't think it's a bad situation. Yeah, it's not. Um, Listen, we saw during the fight, we saw how good Leonard and Dexter could block. And I was like, can we get them on the O-line? They were knocking people all over the place like bowling ball, you know, like bowling pins. I was like, yeah, that was awesome. I was watching that. Uh, it was a, well, it actually turned out to be a pretty good game last night. It started out really bad. I was watching that game saying to myself, wow, imagine if we had Taysom Hill on this team, how, how much easier it would make it in the red zone. Um, yeah. You know, to have a, a guy that could run hard between the tackles, it wouldn't hurt to have. I don't know. That's thinking outside the box, but to have a big batty running back, we've been calling that for that for years to get a guy that could pick up that hard short yardage for this team. And this team really doesn't have a fullback. I mean, the, the closest they have is Bellinger. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I I would, I'd like to see it. Why not? I guess maybe what holds them back is Dexter plays a lot of snaps on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's what holds them back. I don't know. <clears throat> All right. Um, Fabian asked if Daniel Jones is, Injury was whiplash. 
Fabian, they never came out and said what it was, but if you look at the replay, it sure did look like his head jerked back and then forward like whiplash. So it's possible. It's possible that that's what it is, but they never confirmed or deny it. You know, if somebody asked me, why are the coaches so, you know, um, secretive about injuries? And I think there's a balance they're trying to, to strike here. It's like they have to declare if a guy is not at 100%, you know, it's the league rules. But I think what Dable's maybe trying to do is not spill the details because it's a privacy type of thing. So, I mean, that's just a guess on my part. But trust me, we've asked Daniel, we've asked Dable, we've asked Kafka, we've asked, you know, anybody who will, who might be in the know what's with Daniel's neck. And they're just not talking. Yeah, you know, it's funny when he had the neck injury the last time, they didn't really ever say what it was, but it kept him out all year. They never, I don't think they ever came out and said this was the injury. Right. They just said they're going to reevaluate him in August. Th- yeah. That's what I remember. Uh, so, you know, before the 2022 season, so we never figured it out then. What I read, and again, you take it with a grain of salt, or maybe this was on the Up and Adams. So I, I forget, but he supposedly had a pain in, his, in the left part of his neck and it went into his shoulder. Which and could be a nerve. It could I was be gonna a say, that sounds like a nerve to me. I'm not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination, but that does sound like nerve. Right. Problem. I mean, that's what I, I mean, not, I don't know what his injury is, obviously, but for me, I can speak for myself. I have a pinched nerve that shows up in my neck every once in a while. That goes right down my shoulder, sometimes right down to my thumb. So, and sometimes I can feel it in my lower back. So, it's all connected. And, you know, I've been getting treatment for my injury, which, you know, I've had now for, for a few months. So trying to avoid the MRI stuff, but I don't think I'm going to be able to outrun that much longer. So I may have to start drinking heavily if I have to go up in my, an MRI. <laughs> well, this season had you, you know, hasn't had you started doing that. Maybe the MRI. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I, you know what? There's this wine that I want to get. There's a vineyard here in Jersey, and I want to go to this vineyard to pick up a bottle of this wine. And my husband's like, no, we can't go. I said, why not? He says, because you'll take that bottle and you'll polish it off. Because it's just, it's that good of a wine. And I'm not a big wine drinker, but this wine is really good. And last time I bought the bottle, I ended up having to share it with him. I said, can't we go back, to, you know, on on Saturday? It's a day off. Let me go and, and, and get this one. He's like, nope. Bomb. Yeah, I mean, if we lose to Washington, we probably should polish it off. At this point, if anybody wants to know, it like no, I'm just kidding. I was, I'm like, you know, because people are like, "What do you want for Christmas?" I'm like, "Just give me a bottle of this one because it's just so good." <laughs> but um, okay, let's see. Uh, I, okay, amazing guy says, "Would the Giants take Marvin Harrison, or would they be picking too high not to take a quarterback?" Amazing guy, we don't know just yet to say, you know, what direction they might go. Ooh, I think we need to wait and have. see. We have no idea what pick we're going to have. Yeah, I I, w- I would say let's wait and, and see until, until we get to the end of the season or towards the end of the season. We'll have a better idea maybe what range they're picking in, and then we can say, okay, maybe it makes sense to do this or that or or the other things. So. I, I still don't think we're going to take a quarterback because I don't think we're going to be picking high enough. But if we are picking know. but if we you are, we'll, we will be taking one. Um, yeah. We will not be taking Marvin Harrison second or third overall. I promise you that. If we're picking second or third overall, we'll be taking a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Mike asked if, if Daniel Jones gets paid to do the Up and Adams podcast. I would guess yes, but I don't know that for a fact. 
I mean, usually when a player yeah, has a weekly spot. He definitely does. He definitely Yeah, does. I, I would say usually when a player has a weekly spot like that, it's usually a paid appearance. Yeah. So, you know, but what's interesting to me is when they do the production meetings before a game, that's when the good stuff really comes out. As we found out last week during the Sunday night broadcast. Yeah. You know, because that everything, you know, they, they got to be straight with everybody. So no questions off limits and really, you know, no answer is held back from what I understand in those production meetings. Dan, Daniel probably definitely regrets doing that now, though, before the year started. Before the year started, of course, he was a hot commodity. He signs the contract. Giants. Now this team's been so bad. He's been hurt. He's probably dreading going on that show every week. Yeah. Fan base is killing him. The media is killing him. Yep. But yeah, yeah, no, he absolutely gets paid for that. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Fabian asks, do I think, do we think it's a distraction? I'm assuming you mean Daniel's appearance on the Up and Adams? No, I don't think it's a distraction. I, I, I don't. He's doing it on his day off. Yeah. You know, how, how is that a distraction? No. It's not you know, is, I don't think he looks totally comfortable doing it at times, but that yeah. just, that, that's just Daniel. You know, I, was gonna say, I think that's just the way he looks all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You see him get interviewed after a game or whatever. He doesn't. Yeah. It's just Daniel. By the way, yeah. did you guys, I think it was El Jefe. Did you see El Jefe's? Yes. Video? Oh my the funniest God. thing about that is. I missed it. What, what happened? They dub over like a. Oh, I see yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I'm oh just laughing. I'm laughing at the people that think it's real. Like uh, that, that makes me laugh. And then, you know, he plays it off. Like, Oh my God, can you believe the nerves? <laughs> yeah, you know how many people contacted me and said, is this real? And I'm like, no guys, I was standing in that huddle. I can tell you for a fact that that's not real. <laughs> oh, you can tell God. just by the way, the voice sounds that's not, that's dubbed over. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so clear. It reminded yeah. me of that bad lip reading thing, you know, how, right. how they sync everything up. Just with the facial expressions yeah. and everything like that. That was so, funny though. Al Jeffy, he's the one that does damn it, Daniel, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, some of those are are, are kind of funny, <laughs> I think. But yeah, well, he's know, great. Yeah, he's creative great. Is, is what they are. All right. Let me see what we've got. Um let's see. I just saw a question. Hold on. I just where did I see it? Um if they were picking high and Williams isn't there, uh, Scott Young likes Penix Jr. You know what? I tend to, it's early and I haven't done a whole lot with the draft, but I'm hearing more good things about Penix than, than Williams. I, I don't know if that's just, well, again, I haven't he, done any a, film study, a, but. He had a great game recently, so that's probably why. I, I still think Caleb Williams will definitely be regarded as the the number one prospect coming out. But when, when, Michael Penix. Yeah. Uh, this year, I, I, because I mean, there's still ways to go. Um, I think he's the favorite to win the Heisman. He has been unbelievable, and I keep I keep talking about. You, you guys want to watch quarterbacks play November fourth? It's USC versus Washington. It's Penix versus Caleb. You want to circle that one? I know I'm I'm not going anywhere during that game because those are my two favorite quarterbacks in collegiate football. But I, you can ask Chris. I've been talking about Michael Penix since for a couple of years. I love. Uh, Michael Penix. The problem with him is he's had some serious injuries. He's torn his ACL twice. He had a shoulder injury. It's why he transferred from Indiana. But he looks so good. It's just like a flick of the wrist. He's a lefty. He look, it's he, he's almost like Tua with a stronger arm. Like he's just 
He's really good. He's having a really good year. He's been more consistent than Caleb. And he's quiet. Like Caleb Williams has a kind of a – he knows how good he is. He ain't afraid to tell you how good he is. He kind of has that attitude where Penix is kind of more docile and not as outspoken. And he, you know, he um, – God, who the hell did they play? It was Oregon. It, you know, it was a great game between Oregon and Washington. He came back and won because Dan Lanning coaches like it's Madden going forward on like fourth and – three from the 50 when they should have punted. Washington had no timeouts in a minute to go. They gave Penix the ball, two passes, bing, bing, touchdown. But he was crying at the end of the game, like just thinking about how far he came. Washington has a chance to win the national championship. Like, they're that good. He's here's, really, really good. I really like Michael Penix. Well, here's an but, interesting thought, though. I'm, so, and I'm sorry. I mean, I was just going to say, Caleb Williams is has a better skill set, in my opinion. He's oh, yeah. elite right. of elite. He's really good. Well, let, yeah. let me ask you something then. I mean, if Penix is a lefty, now your blind side would become the right side. So then do you flip Andrew Thomas to the right side? I mean. Probably not, I don't think, because you don't. Kind of something to think about. I mean, I, I, that shouldn't be a reason not to draft the guy. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you have a, um, you know, a shot at him. But I just wonder about that because right now, would you guys trust Evan Neal to protect the blind side if they went with a lefty quarterback? I wouldn't trust Evan Neal to, to anywhere he plays. I don't trust the blind side, front side, anywhere. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Andrew Thomas did play right tackle in college, so but it's I, been a while. But he got paid to be a left tackle. He didn't get, right. Not that it matters. I mean, he got paid to be a blind side protector. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just like I said, Michael Penix is. Really good. If you haven't seen, and a lot of people don't watch it. it. It's Washington's not a flashy school. People watch USC because USC is USC. It's a, it's a flashy school. They still play late, but sometimes they play primetime games. Washington just kind of sits out there in the state of Washington. They don't nobody pays attention. They play at ten o'clock, ten thirty. It's hard to find their games sometimes too. A lot of times they're not televised. But if you ever get a chance, if you have not watched Washington play. Make sure you do, because I'm telling right. you, Michael Penix is really good. He's he's definitely worth the price for mission. Yeah. November fourth, that that will be, I guarantee it. That'll be that'll be televised. That'll be yeah, a prime time game. But uh, that's going to be a good one for sure. What do you think of uh, Lloyd Goldstein? Asks, what is your take if true that Caleb wants part ownership? Well, that's ridiculous. From what I'm getting it, I mean, yeah. what I understand, and again. Anything can be said on the internet. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> what I understand is, I don't know if he was misquoted or, or what it was, but they said no, no goal is too big. They're thinking part ownership, like they're thinking ownership in like twenty years, right, not different. right yeah. out of college. Yeah, I don't think he's asking for hey, you're going to give me part ownership because nobody's going to, nobody's going to go. Oh yeah, we're going to take this twenty-one year old and give him yeah. part ownership of a team. I don't care how good he is, he ain't earned that. So no. I, I think that was totally blown out of proportion. We're all, I mean, I wouldn't consider what Chris and I do being in the media, but it is social media. And when you do anything on social media, my words, you want people to watch you. I always like when people say, oh, you only did that for viewers. Well, I mean, if I'm not doing it for viewers, why am I on here? I Obviously, I want people to view my tweets, view my Instagram, view my YouTube. It's why I do it. Um, so I think part of that is let's, Let's really kind of blow this out. Let's get people to put eyes on what we're saying here and just kind of take it out of context and throw it out there that he wants to be part owner when he's drafted. And they don't yeah. get I mean, shoot, I want front row tickets to the 
December 2nd Kiss concert, and I ain't getting that, okay? Right. So, I don't see that, you know. You, you, want to talk about that divide, you, you want to talk about something that would divide a locker room. You, 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 oh, my God. And it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's allowed. Before. Come on. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not allowed. I mean, aren't the Raiders going through some kind of debate with Tom Brady right Listen, now about ownership? At, at the end of the day, what I would say to Caleb Williams is if you play good enough, and you reach that elite level of quarterback that everybody thinks you're going to be, you won't have part ownership, but you'll be the assistant GM because that's basically what the elite quarterbacks are. Oh, they have, like, like yeah, a Russ Wilson was? Yeah. Denver, where he gets his own office? Yeah. That, so, he, he, no, he's not going to be a part owner. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't like understand Caleb that Williams one. Lot. First time I saw Caleb Williams, I said he does. When I watch him, he reminds me of Pat Mahomes. I'm not saying he's going to reach that level especially if he's drafted by the Giants, because I have no faith that we could build a team properly. But um, he definitely has elite potential. Uh, I like Penix. I don't love him like that. Goes. I like him. Um, I worry about his age and his injuries. And he doesn't, to me, he has a really strong arm. But to me, he doesn't have, Caleb to me is the complete package. And that's not a knock on Penix. Like, Caleb Williams is yeah, one of the He's not Caleb's skill set. Yeah, Caleb Williams is one of the top, like, two or three quarterback prospects I've seen in the last 10 years. Like, I think he's a higher quarterback prospect than Trevor Lawrence. That's yeah, how I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. And again, being, being a Sooner fan, I, I've told this story a bunch of times. He, two things that happened his freshman year in Oklahoma wasn't very good, um, which is rare because Oklahoma is usually really good. But they made a bowl game. They just weren't, you know, they weren't Big 12 champions. Game against Texas, they're getting blown out. Spencer Rattler came into the season as a Heisman Trophy favorite, was having a terrible year. They were losing. Caleb Williams came in, came back, beat Texas. That's huge for Oklahoma. But I always go back to the game against Kansas. Oklahoma's got no business even being in a game with Kansas. Kansas is much better than they were when Williams was a freshman. They went for it fourth. It was like a one-score game, and Oklahoma might have been by four. Caleb Williams and Oklahoma goes for it on fourth and two from midfield. And he hands the ball off, and the running back is stopped. I don't remember. It might have been Eric Gray. I don't remember who the running back was. No, Eric Gray might have been in Tennessee at that time. I forgot who the running back was. But the running back stopped, and he's going backwards. And before the whistle blows, Caleb Williams literally rips the ball out of the running back's hand and gets the three yards needed for a first down. That, I'm like, that is a true freshman, 18 years old, that knew that was that intelligent to grab the ball away to keep the play alive to win the game. To me, that immediately said, I said, not only has this guy got talent, he has an incredibly high IQ. The yeah. problem that happened to Caleb Williams this week was because of all the tank talk about the Giants and all the talk about Caleb Williams, it brought a bunch of eyes on Caleb Williams that never watched him play, never. And they saw him have the worst game of his collegiate career, and they're like, oh, this guy sucks. Oh, he has no offensive line. Look at how bad he played. They ran into a really good defense in Notre Dame. Pat Mahomes threw four interceptions against Oklahoma one year. It happens to the best of them. You can't judge him on one sure. game. Judge him on the fact he won the Heisman. Judge him on the fact he has 86 touchdowns and 13 interceptions in his career. They had another 22 rushing touchdowns on top of it. And add the fact that the man just has a ridiculous amount of talent. That guy's the consensus number one overall pick, no matter who's picking there. Yeah, and he just has – he just combines he, – he's a very rare – quarterback for me he compa he combines elite potential with elite iq yeah and that doesn't come around often right and, and 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 that's why i think he's he's going to be no matter like you just said bad Doug. i don't care who's picking first he, yeah Caleb, he's, he's got one yeah yeah all right let me ask you guys this because i got this question today 
And I think it's too soon to, to make a judgment either way. But somebody asked me what I thought of the job Joe Shane has done mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of his draft class picks haven't really, you know, exploded onto the scene that, you know, a good number of the um, free agents and guys he's traded for haven't really contributed, you know, so that has raised questions about the job that Joe Shane has done to that. I say, you know, with, with the draft picks, you got to give these classes three years. I mean, the first, the first class last year, a lot of them were injured. So, you know, to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, this year, again, the injuries, you know, and I hate to use that as an excuse, but it's got a factor in and then some of the coaching decisions and stuff. But what do you think of the job that Joe Shane has done with this roster through two, you know, years? It's it's incomplete. It's it's incomplete. I can't judge him yet. It's like judging a president two years into his, uh, you know, his term. You got to see you got to see how all of his decisions play out long term. So it's incomplete. Are there things that you could start to question? Sure. Evan Neal looks very questionable. There's no doubt about it. I'm never going to slam him for the Daniel Jones decision because I thought I still think it was the best decision. So I'm never going to slam him for that. I don't think he had much of a choice. But yeah, I think you could start to look at some of his draft picks and you could start to say, well, eh, maybe we should keep an eye out on this guy. But he's also done some good things. And the one thing I'll say about Joe Sheen for me that is very encouraging he has a clear plan and he's going to stick to it. And everything that he's done this offseason, as aggressive as he was, he didn't deter from the plan. He's still building this team for the long term. Every guy that he signed, there's an easy out outside of Dexter Lawrence, outside of Andrew Thomas, who are building blocks. Right. So to me, this is still a guy who has a clear plan. And as fans, we have to see, let him carry his plan out. Whatever he decides to do, for me, I said it from the start, I'm going to continue to say he's getting four years. He's getting four right. years. He inherited a mess. Just like I gave Gettleman four years. I'm giving him four years. I'm giving him an opportunity to get this team out of the, you know, out of the crapper that it's been in. And if he doesn't, we'll talk about it in four years and then, you know, we'll see where the team's at. But for me, it's incomplete. I think he's made some good decisions. Bobby O'Karake is looking more and more like a really good signing. A 25-year-old linebacker who's playing really well. Um, you know, some of his, Wondell's starting to look better. Um, you got to let these younger players grow and see how they play out throughout the rest of their career. So Deontay Banks looks like a really good pick so far, at least for a guy that you took 24th overall. So you got to let John Michael Smith play a few more years. You got to let Kayvon play a few more years. So I I just think it's incomplete. I think you can't jump the gun on Joe Shane one way or the other. It's a great word. Incomplete is a great word. Michael McFadden looks fantastic. Fifth round pick. Wandale was injured last year, but remember the game he got injured had nine catches for a hundred yards in two and a half quarters. He definitely looks like he can play. Kayvon Thibodeau can play. Kayvon Thibodeau is just a little inconsistent, but you've seen him come on here recently. The man can play. The man's talented. Evan Neal is a big question mark, but every GM has question marks. You don't hit on every pick. No GM is perfect. And yeah, they can say, oh, they gave Jones 160. But all these people that talk about the 160 don't understand how, and I'm not a capologist by any means, yeah, but they don't understand the contracts constructed where they can get out after twenty twenty four. They're not they're not tied to him long term. And what was the alternative? Joe Shannon Company won a playoff game with a team that had no business being in the playoff game. This is the first time in ten years the Giants won a playoff game. They yeah. come in here, they win a playoff game, and now they got off to a bad start because hey, it happens. They played elite teams that were not ready to beat yet, and we had a lot of injuries. So he has goes from having a really good year, getting to the NFC um, divisional round, 
And then we got off to a bad start against really good teams that are all going to be playoff teams. And it's like, oh, we got to fire them. These players suck. Like, I don't understand. I don't get how in we played six games this year. We played 17. So 23 games? We're killed. We're ready to get rid of them. You're never going to build a team. You're never going to have any kind of consistency if you keep firing the GM every two years because we haven't gone from four and thirteen to winning the Super Bowl in two years. That doesn't happen very often. Okay, so again, what were you going to do with the quarterback situation? You people like you could have taken a stop. So you're going to tell your team, right? We're going to go with Baker Mayfield here or Marcus Mariota and move on. What I say to those people, Bad Dog, is, and I've seen some people say, well, you could have just started Tyrod and saved the money. What would the difference have been? You, right. you could, exactly. you just, I think people are just like, oh, he doesn't deserve that money. So, And I get it. $40 million is a lot. of, But to me, what does it really damage the future of this team? We're talking about the possibility of this team picks in the top three of next year's draft of drafting a quarterback. So signing right. Daniel Jones did not prevent you from moving on from him after this year in terms of the long-term answer at the quarterback position. Correct. It was the only realistic option. You were not starting Tyrod Taylor after your team won their first playoff game in 12 years where Daniel Jones had a very strong season. It was the only decision. So I am not going to ask Joe Shane for signing Daniel Jones. I still think it was the right decision. I don't care if he gets replaced next year. It was the right decision. And you look at how that contract is structured. Yeah. So there's, a, you know, you could take it as there's still a little doubt, but they did so that, you know, they can easily transition off of him next year. Like I said, if they get within sniffing distance of a top quarterback, you bring him in, you have another, you know, Eli Manning situation where Daniel holds down the fort, then you you switch and, and, and then, you know, you get out of the contract. It's yeah. not that bad of a contract. I know a lot of people – Oh, $160 million. No, it's not that bad. $82 million or whatever he was guaranteed. That's really what it equates to. It's guaranteed money. I and mean, it's not a lot of guaranteed money for a quarterback. It's court not. Match. It's not a horrible contract. Look, if they were convinced that Daniel Jones was the long-term answer, don't you think he would have gotten a deal like Joe Burrow or Justin yeah. Herbert or Jalen Mahomes or right. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen? Deshaun Watson, Russell Deshaun Wilson. Watson. There's been some bad contracts out there. They, they were convinced he was worth seeing if he could become the franchise quarterback, but they were not convinced that he was the franchise quarterback. Right. Exactly. So right. It was the, Bingo. You hit it right it on the head. Is. If the guy doesn't prove himself, you move on. But it was it was the only decision they could have made if you're being realistic. Yeah, people will say, well, they could have franchised him, but then you have no money to sign anybody else because that 32 exactly. and you can't transfer Thank that you. money. That's a dead cap. Your cap, that's like on your cap. Thank and then you had to restructure contracts to get under the cap they could fill out a team. If yeah. you gave Daniel Jones 32 months, how are you filling the team out? Yeah. You know, that's I, and, and if you're not going to try to fill out the you team. You couldn't tag Barkley. So what yeah. happened to him? Yeah. And if you're going to try to fill out the team as best as you can, uh, if you're not, rather, what's the point of bringing Jones back to begin with? So it, it was the right decision. It was the right decision to do what they did. Sometimes the right decision doesn't work out, but it was a decision that left them the opportunity to pivot. And if this season keeps going where it's going, they will pivot, and Joe Shane will get more, more, which I want. He will get more of a leash because then you will draft a rookie. He'll get two years, and you'll continue to build the team. So it was the right decision, and it is what it is. Sometimes the right decision doesn't produce the right results. And to yeah. your point, if they do end up drafting a rookie quarterback, say in the first round, 
They actually have them for five years because they can always, you know, pick up the oh, no, option. I, I was talking about Joe Shane's job security. Oh, but Joe, oh yeah, we'll, we'll have that quarterback. Okay. Well, yeah. just on the quarterback thing, you know, people say, well, you know, why would you draft a quarterback and not move on from Jones next year? Remember, you could you would have that quarterback for up to five years. Yeah. So it's like getting him four years, you know, and then a, a throwaway year. So I could see that being a scenario if the Giants get within, like I said, sniffing distance and they think they need a quarterback to, you know, if they feel that they need a quarterback to move forward. Which you know, I mean, you, you'd also have in essence, you have two years to build. If you're going into, you're picking first or second. You're the Giants. You know what you're doing. You have one or two choices. You're going to say we're going to take Caleb Williams. You take whoever, Drake May, Michael Penix, whoever, whoever you choose. And then they can immediately go on. Okay, we're taking this guy number two, and then this is what we're going to do the rest of the draft because we're going to start to build around that quarterback in 2024. Even though Jones will be the quarterback, we are going to build around the skill set of the rookie. And then you also have another year of offseason signings, free agents, trades, draft to build around him again. So in essence, you have two years to build around a quarterback if you take one in 2024. And like Chris said, you also push back the clock on Shane and Dable or whatever, at least Joe Shane, because yeah. the quarterback wouldn't really start till 2025. And that's when Joe Shane's clock would start. So he'd be giving himself job security by taking a quarterback if they're picking that early. So that's what you're going to do if you're a GM. He's not stupid. You, you, yeah. you, he has that job for a reason. Everybody, yeah. can, everybody, we can all be armchair GMs and, and Madden GMs. And the real thing's a little different. That's yeah, why I say yeah. with Gettleman. I even I say, hey, listen, that's why Gettleman does what he did. And that's why we do what we do, because we can't do that. Yeah. And, and and no matter what happens this year, I think Shane is gonna have plenty of job security because if if we finish the year strong, we win six or seven games, Jones stays on the quarterback, we pick 12, he's still gonna have job security because at the end of the day, he's always got in his back pocket. Jones was never my guy. So if this team falters the following year, he drafts a rookie quarterback. He's and and if we don't pick in the top five this year, it just gives you more and more of an opportunity to just keep building up the team. Now, of course, if Joe Shane doesn't end on his, on his draft picks, he's going to be fired. That's any GM uh, mm-hmm. over the course of time. So it all comes down to that. You can't miss on Evan Neal. You can't miss on Kayvon Thibodeau. These okay. guys need to be hits. But um, I, I'm not worried about Joe Shane and his long-term job security. I think he's has a plan. And as a Giants fan, in recent history. That's all I could really ask for because Jerry Reese, the second half of his career, had no plan. Dave Gettleman, since he got here, had no plan. We have a GM that has a plan, and I got to wait to see how the plan carries out. Well, uh, speaking of plans, let me throw this one out at you. The offensive line, what's it going to take to to fix this thing, or can they fix it? Not this year. Yeah. I always get you know, on Twitter, people like Joe Alt, Joe Alt, and we didn't pick all the linemen we want, but everybody was high on Evan Neal. Everybody loved Evan Neal coming out of the draft. Oh man, great pick! You know, I was high on Chris. We loved that pick. He he was a beast at Alabama. We were happy, and he just hasn't panned out. That happens. Well, you're going to have a lot more cap space next year, mm-hmm. so you could always go the route of the free agent and get a proven lineman uh, to come in here. And, and play one of the positions. You don't necessarily need to just keep drafting rookies and throwing them in the fire. Yeah, you still want to build it up through the draft, but that might be the route they go with more cast spaces. Let's get a veteran in here. Let's get let's get a guy, you know, a veteran, a, a guy that's proven himself, not a guy off the scrap heap, you know, not a guy that's just been kind of floating around there. Let's get a real line. I don't know who the free agents are, but maybe they go that route as far as building up a line. I don't know. Because the draft pick, you never know. It's a crapshoot. We've seen number one overalls fail. 
So and you never know when they get to the NFL. How they every position number one. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, with the offensive line and, and dog, I think you raised this point last week on, on the show. At this point, do you maybe go for a quarterback who maybe can be a little quicker with their processing right. while you continue to fix that offensive line? Because you're talking about, okay, John Michael Schmitz is, is definitely going to be, you know, the center. Andrew Thomas is locked in. The other three positions, you have question marks. Can you realistically fill those three positions and answer those questions? Right. You might have to try a vanilla guard next year. I mean, who knows? It's, you know, maybe Evanil becomes a really good guard. Yeah. But you have him for another two years at least. You know, if he shows improvement, you can pick up the fifth year option on him. So um I don't know. It's just it they have to continue to build. It's gonna be a process, but they they've got to start hitting on some of these guys. They I mean that's just the way it goes. But you can pick any guy, you can pick the top prospect in the draft, and the guy may not end up being good. It, it happens a lot more than you think. Just because a guy goes top five doesn't mean he's an absolute smash. He should be, but it doesn't always work out that way. Especially if we draft him. I mean, especially on the right. offensive line. Um, but, no, I, I think the answer is not – well, yeah, my answer in terms of what will fix the offensive line, playing together. Continuity. That's it. Thank you. I, I think as fans we just have to – realize it this is going to take time you have a rookie center you have a right tackle probably will not be the future tackle of this team but these guys are young and they have to play together you 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 think back to that line that became great in 2007 2008 they didn't get great till that year they struggled with a lot of those really good offensive linemen and they got better over the course of time it takes time to build a really good offensive line so these young investments we it's growing pains we have we have to let these guys grow and get better you're that's it we can't keep like we talk about flipping coaches we can't keep flipping linemen you gotta gotta figure it out with evan neal whether it's at the guard the tackle you gotta let john michael smith go through his growing pains maybe azuda develops into something maybe he doesn't but these guys have to play together we got to keep this unit together that's that's my answer and of course and some more talent because we need it but um yeah these guys do you move on from bobby johnson because one of the things somebody pointed out how many offensive line coaches have they had now? How I've many, said that yeah. now for three weeks. Yeah, I, I, so. People have been calling to fire him, and I understand it, and I do think he's going to be fired because I think he's the pound of flesh. But I don't know if I'm in favor of it because you you keep firing these. We talk about the quarterback coach, the offensive line, everything. You fire an offensive line coach. There is probably not – not probably. I don't think there is, outside of maybe quarterback coach, a more important positional coach to a football team than an offensive line coach. We talk about cohesion. We talk about learning. And you're going to just bring in another guy, another guy, another guy. They're going to teach new techniques, the way that they want to block. Figure out a coach and stick with it. And that's what they got to do with the offensive line. So I'm not in love with firing Bobby Johnson as much as people want to blame him for everything. Um, but I, I, I've come to the realization that it's probably going to happen. Yeah, I mean, where they went wrong, in my opinion, was they kept fiddling with, with the different combinations and then – the starting unit didn't get a chance to really play much in in the preseason. And I remember writing and saying, when are they going to solidify this, make a decision and let this, the the starting unit just get snaps together and build that cohesiveness. And I remember asking that question and, Oh, you know, they're, they're all professionals. They're in the meetings together. You know, we're not worried. You know, we've got, we're getting guys experienced in case there's injuries yeah, but there's something to be said about continuity. Yeah, yeah. But, so, it, I mean, I just hope we fi- if, if we fire him, I hope the next coach is here for at least five or six years because we need continuity on that line. 
I mean, would they? Uh, I I'll be right back. I, I gotta go. I, I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even know who's the. Um, I'm trying to think who is the assistant offensive line coach. I know uh, the guy they had last year moved on. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Can't I can't uh, remember? Actually, Tony Sprott. That was last year. Tony uh, Sprott. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. I'm trying to remember who it is, because the reason why I mentioned that is I wonder if he would be in line promoted to to, to take uh, to take over. Uh, let's see, assistant assistant defensive line, inside linebacker, receivers, offensive line coach, Christian Jones. No, that's not it. Christian Jones, assistant quarterbacks coach. How did I miss that one? Huh. Um, let's see. Assistant. Oh, Chris Smith is the offensive Chris, assistant. Yeah, that's what I see. Yeah, Chris Smith, yeah. How did I miss that with Christian Jones being the assistant quarterback coach? Mm. I missed that. Interesting. So anyway, yeah. And I mentioned that because what good offensive line coaches would be out there if they wanted to move on from Bobby Johnson? I don't know, especially seeing how much they flipped that for their coaches, <laughs> you know, in recent history. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. I know people are going to want people fired, as they should. The team has been awful. Um, yeah. and Bobby Johnson's going to get fired because the offensive line has been pitiful, but I'm not but part like of it's also, Yeah, but part of it's also with, with injuries, too. So that's why I, I wonder if they maybe give him a reprieve. I mean, we'll you see. Can, I, I wouldn't be upset either way. I mean, because you could also make the argument, and I think it's a weak argument, but somebody, you know, I was talking to somebody about this, and they said, well, you can make the argument that Bobby Johnson brought along John Michael Schmitz, that he was here last year when Andrew Thomas became a second-team All-Pro. So yeah. you can you can say that he had some successes. I don't necessarily put a lot of stock in that, but I can see that that point of view. Yeah, we'll see at the end of the year. I, I, we'll see. I, I but I'm with you. I, I I I agree with your point that especially in the offensive line, you need continuity, and that that includes the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what? Let's do this since dog dogs taking a break. Why don't we take our second commercial break? When we come back, we'll do um your questions. So if you haven't had your questions answered, pop them into the uh, the chat box, and we'll just you know we'll we'll sprinkle them in as we bring you to the finish line on this edition of Lachlan Giants Live. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry, and best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to give you even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash lockdown NFL. And that promo code is lockdown NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
Hey, Giant fans. So between my work here on the Lachlan Giants podcast, on Giants country, and being on site to bring you all the latest and greatest Giants coverage, I just don't have the time some days to get to the grocery store to make sure that my fridge is full. Well, luckily, I don't have to, thanks to DoorDash. With DoorDash, I get everything I want when I need it delivered straight to my door. You know, for years, I've trusted DoorDash to also deliver freshly made meals from my favorite restaurants, and they've never let me down. And now that they've added grocery delivery to their offering, it's made my life so much easier. DoorDash has thousands of grocery stores to choose from, so you'll find one that's in your neighborhood that's right for you. And you'll get what you ordered or they will make it right. You can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a no delivery fee on eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Now, for a limited time, you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina, Tana, and Dog. And get your questions in. Just pop them in the chat box. If I don't get to them right away, keep popping them in because sometimes the chat box goes really quick. And by the time I look over, I've missed something. So I try not to, but... um, I've seen uh, Jonathan ask this a lot. So he's asked it like eight times. He says, do you think Caleb will be a good quarterback in the league? USC is known for receivers rather than quarterback. I, I, Bad Dog and me have kind of differed on this in the past. I am I have never been a guy that judges a quarterback based off the school he's played at. Uh, I I don't, I don't judge the school. I ju- I don't judge the helmet rather. I judge the player. So for me, I mean, you, everybody always used to say that about Ohio State. Look at uh look at look at uh, C.J. Stroud this year. I mean, the guy looks like a top ten quarterback in the league, especially with the supporting cast that he's been surrounded with. So to me, that that means nothing to me. The fact that he played at USC. I watch Caleb Williams. I see a great quarterback prospect. So. For me, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Oh, you're muted, Bezo. You're muted, uh, dog. Sorry. He's uh, he's not a USC guy. He's an Oklahoma guy. He was recruited That's by right. Oklahoma. He was recruited by Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley went from Oklahoma to USC, brought Caleb Williams with him. He's not a USC guy. He's an Oklahoma guy. So, um, but, yeah, I'm not – I mean, I have never been – I I say that because a lot of the top picks that have come out of USC I have not been fans of. I did not like Sam Darnold. I did not think Sam Darnold would be good. I did not think Mark Sanchez would be good. I did not think Matt Leinert would be good. I didn't think those guys would be good. Um, same thing with Ohio State. There's a lot of quarterbacks that came out of there I didn't think were going to be any good. Um, I didn't – you know, God rest his soul. I didn't think Dwayne Haskins was be, going to be a great quarterback. It was Terrell Pryor. I didn't think he was going to be Cardale Jones. Like, I didn't think any of those guys were going to be great. And the same thing with Florida. Florida's another one. They've had Heisman Trophy winners like Danny Werfel that have done nothing, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Yeah. It, it happens. It's not really particularly – it's just a coincidence. Um, part of that – also, part of the Ohio State thing and Florida thing with me was Urban Meyer. We all know Urban Meyer's a train wreck. I mean, he doesn't produce – NFL type of quarterbacks. Look at what he was going to kill Trevor Lawrence's career. The best yeah. thing that happened to Trevor Lawrence was that Urban Meyer was a train wreck in himself. And then they ended up with Doug Peterson. We saw what Trevor Lawrence can do. We saw how the Jacksonville Jaguars have, have improved. Now they have a real NFL head coach and not some college clown 
like Urban Meyer. So for me, I just think a lot of it is just coincidental. You could say that about Alabama. They don't usually produce good quarterbacks either. They have in the past. Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, obviously Tua now. Um, Jalen Hurts started at Alabama, finished at Oklahoma. So uh, it's just coincidental, and I, I joke around about that. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, Caleb, yeah, I, Caleb is not a again. He's a product of Oklahoma, in my opinion. Just like Jalen Hurts, not a product of Oklahoma. He went there to prove he could throw the ball because they didn't really do that at Alabama. But he's an Alabama guy, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, amazing guy asks, can we hire an offensive line coach from another team? No, not if the guy is under contract, unless you're prepared to give him a promotion. That's how this works. You can't just go and 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 randomly pick a guy, you know, who's who's under contract. Now, if his contract is expiring, then you can maybe look to hire him if he's willing to move on. But you just can't go and say, "Hey, I want to hire, you know, uh, the offensive line coach from the Dallas Cowboys, for example." So, um, you know, that's hopefully you should answer that question. Munchak um, is the name I've heard a lot. Uh, Mike Munchak being the offense or the uh, line coach for the giants a lot of people like him yeah there was no it was callahan i'm thinking of i think the giants had a chance to get callahan but he wouldn't come because garrett was here at least yes. that's what i heard i don't know if that's true but it probably is but uh giants fans didn't come to the game because garrett <laughs> um max castro asked what do you attribute the constant injuries that happen to us always max i mean you know First off, football's a violent game. Stuff's going to happen. Guys are going to, you know, tear muscles. You know, feet are going to get stuck in the turf and and get rolled up on or twisted the wrong way. Bones are going to get broken. Now, the soft tissue injuries, that's the question I would like answered. Because they have these sports science people. They use GPS tracking. How are these soft tissue injuries continuing? I know they have, you know, yoga and massages and Pilates and all the stuff to, you know, stretching to, to, to make sure that there's no soft tissue issues, but yet they continue to happen. That would be the question that I would like to have answered, not injuries in general, because some injuries are just going to happen. And I think if you, you know, if, if, if I were to go to Joe Shane and Brian Dable at the end of the year and say, why all these injuries? They're going to say, oh, well, it's, it, it's, it's a violent game. But if we say, why all the soft tissue injuries when you have all this technology and knowledge, what's going on here? That, to me, I think is, is, is you know, the question that needs to be asked. Yeah, agree and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And, we, and, and the stats definitely show that the Giants have had more injuries than the average team in the NFL over the last 10 years or whatever it's been. But I, I, I think a big part of it is we notice the injuries more than other teams. Like, I, I, think, there, I think every team has injuries. Like you said, football is a game of injuries. But because our team is not properly built, because we don't have depth, when we have injuries, it cripples our team. When you know, you look around the league, there's pl- the Eagles had plenty of injuries the last couple of weeks. They're still five and one. That you know, we're not we're not a team that's built as good as a lot of the teams around the league. So we're not built to be able to sustain injuries. So I the stats do say we've had more injuries than other teams, and I'm sure the training staff has something to do with that preparation, and everything else. But I think a big part of it is we notice the injuries more because our team's not very good. Yeah. And, and, you know, last year they had injuries too. And I always go back to the Super Bowl team 2007 when they had something like 20 guys on injured reserve, nobody really was talking about it because they were winning and it's, you know, not to to minimize injuries for anybody, but sometimes it's who's being injured that 
really makes it stand out. Like for me, having Andrew Thomas miss all this time, that's like having five guys injured because that's how big that is. He's our whole line. <laughs> you know, you, you like Lane Johnson got hurt last week for the Eagles. They're still going to block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if Andrew Thomas goes down for us, our, our line's dead. Yeah. So, you know, we're not properly built either. We got to continue to build properly. That goes back to the thing that I said about depth. Did you have yep. enough depth? Yeah. I mean, I questioned some of the, the choices they made when they they filled out the roster for the offensive line. But, yeah. you know, that's all water under the bridge, I suppose. But, uh, you know, they had the, the injuries, you know, again, why the soft tissue injuries when you have sports science people, you've got GPS tracking, you've got all these things in place to help you. Why? That's what I want to know. Wish, you, I just, wish, wish I had an answer for why they're always hurt because it's frustrating. It really is. It really is because it's it's not just to our start. It's like to our best starters. This mm-hmm. is how, to the key component. And when it rains, it pours. Right. The left tackle, the running back, the quarterback are three most important positions. Yep. Our the three, three guys three. that were most indispensable. Yep. On my list at any rate. All right, Scott Young asks, does Stable look to you guys in press conferences as a frustrated man? How could he not be? Sometimes. Yeah. For the most part, I think he tries to stay even keeled. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you can detect a little bit of frustration when he speaks. Yeah, I, I, even, I even detected it last year, uh, even when the team was playing well, Patty. Like when when some a member of the media would ask him a question that he didn't like or he thought was stupid, you would see some frustration on his face. I just think Dable's a guy – He's an emotional guy. You see it on the sideline. He's not scared to share his emotions. Um, I do think, though, like you said, for the most part, when it comes to the press conferences, he does set the tone. Um, and you saw it last year when the team was winning. He would always be like, we can't get too high. We got to worry about next week. And I think he, I think that's the tone that he sets for the most part. But he's an emotional guy. There's going to be times where, oh, yeah. you know, you you know, you can't help it. It is what it is. And I can't blame the guy. The team's one in five. Any mm-hmm. head coach would be upset right now. It doesn't sure. look good. Sure. I mean, you know, Dable, I think he tries to help the media as best as he can, but sometimes, you know, it's like there are questions that are asked that you just know he's not going to answer. And I, I, I don't, under, you know, I suppose, you know, maybe you get lucky, you ask a question and, and, and he'll answer it. But sometimes I think that the frustration kind of runs both ways, I suppose. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Jonathan, Chris has been asking this question, so let's get it up there. What's the update on John Michael Schmitz? Jonathan, I don't know. He's been a mystery. We talked about that earlier in the, in the program. I saw him in the locker room and he seemed to be moving fine, you know, with the shoulder. Um, he was reaching out for stuff in his locker. He didn't have a wrap on his, his, his shoulder or anything like that. That doesn't mean that, you know, that doesn't mean anything because maybe he had just come from uh, getting treatment, but, I really don't know what's going on with him. I have not been able to get any kind of indication if it's the AC joint, if it's, you know, a, a stinger, what exactly is going on with him. So I'm I'm in the dark on that one. It's weird. Hopefully he gets out there soon because we need him to grow. I just, yeah. I, I hate that they're so secretive, like you mentioned earlier about how they just they don't tell you anything and I, I don't know why they can't just say yeah he's got this this is what's wrong with the shoulder hippa i really believe that's part of it it's like they'll tell you the minimum 
to meet league requirements. But you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you go back to um, who was it? Uh, Tommy Sweeney and his medical issue. I mean, it was never announced what he had, but I think a good number of us knew what it was just based on what, you know, what came out or what we learned about it. But it's HIPAA. It, it, it's, it's HIPAA. You know, so I, I, I get that. I respect that. I know yeah. it's frustrating for the fans because you want to know, OK, if, if we know for sure it's a, a, a sprained AC joint in the shoulder, we know that he's going to be out by for X number of weeks. I get that. But that's what I think Dable is trying to do. Be protective of these guys, especially of their medical uh, privacy. Yeah. And I also think it's gameplay. I, I think Dable doesn't want to tilt his hand too much week to week where he gives his opposition too much of a, of a head start in terms of the game plan. Let them think a little bit, even if it's a little bit of doubt, Daniel Jones may be able to play this week. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a part of it too. You don't want to, you don't want to give away too much information if you don't have to. Yeah. But you know what, Chris, I mean, sometimes you could tell, you know, like, oh, like, I this, I can read like this week. Okay. He's saying that there's a chance Daniel yeah. plays. I'd be stunned if Daniel is out. He's not playing. Today. He's not playing. Yeah. I don't think he's playing. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to use common sense to a, to a certain degree and say, okay, you know what? This is what he's saying. And, you know, but yeah. go look at, go look at the clues. He didn't yeah. throw all week with the, with, with the, with the, um, the, the uh, team drills. He's not cleared for contact. You mean to tell me he's going to be cleared for contact in two days? I mean, I hope he is. I, I mean, that would be great if he is. I don't see it happening. And oh, by the way, you've just practiced the entire week with Tyrod Taylor in there. Don't tell me, well, Daniel knows the system. He can go back in. Okay, yeah. But you just practiced the entire week. That's like, you know, for a play, go, practicing with the understudy, the, or, you know, or rehearsing with the understudy, and then comes the night of the performance. Oh, the star is ready to go in there. And yeah. I don't think that that quite is how oh, it works. Not, no chance he's playing this week. He might not play next week. He's definitely not playing this week. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to play next week. I mean, you got the Jets next week, uh, if I'm not I'll mistaken, right? Yeah. Is it the Jets? And they're, they're pretty, you know, that, that defense is pretty. The defense is really good. Uh-huh. They might be the best defense in the league. I mean, look, what they they kept, they kept Pat Mahomes in check. They kept the Bills in check. They, you name a top deep offense, they've kept them in check this year. So Jets have a really good defense. That they ain't played Miami yet. That'll be a, that'll be a yeah. battle. Yeah. All right, Peter, Peter Randanzo says HIPAA laws do not come into play in the NFL. Uh, yeah, they do, Peter. They do. And I'll give you a, a perfect example. Remember a few years ago when JPP's medical records got splashed all over the internet? That was a HIPAA violation. So, yeah, HIPAA laws are into, into play. Now, what teams do is the league says you have to specify what part of the body is injured. You don't necessarily have to say what the injury is to the part of the body, but you specify what part of the body, you know, is injured. And that's why you don't see, you know, sprain MCL for a knee. You'll see knee. That's why, you know, you'll see finger injury, but it won't say thumb or, or pointer or whatever. You know, so th- th- there is a degree uh, where, you know, they try to protect somebody's, you know, medical privacy. Yeah. So... Um, amazing guy said, wasn't that Renan or, or ESPN? I think it was, wasn't it Schefter that posted his records? Oh, I don't Is remember. It, it, oh, I, I don't I, remember. I don't, rem- I, I don't remember who it was, but, uh, yeah. 
So anyway, and and yeah, Peter, if you do find that link, you know, send it to me. But that's my understanding of how the Giants treat it. You know, I'm not, you know, some teams do it that way. Not every team is as forthcoming. So, you know, Dable, that's how he operates. Again, I know it's 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 frustrating, but, you know, I think that's how Belichick operates, if I'm not mistaken, right? Where did he come from? Big time. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, Washington, what's the X factor for this game, guys? What do you, what do you think needs to happen for it to go the Giants' way? It's on the, it's on the defense. That's it. Uh, it's uh, for me. It's it's on the defense. It's we have to create multiple turnovers. We have to get pressure on a team that has surrendered a ton of pressure this year. Uh, by far, our better unit right now, especially with Daniel Jones out, Andrew Thomas out, is the defense. They have to win this game for us. So we got to create pressure with the front four without having the blitz too much. Like you said, we kind of dialed back the blitz a little bit last week, and we were still able to generate some pressure and create some turnovers. Same thing this week. You're going up against a really bad offensive line. Take advantage of it. Um, that's the X factor for me. And, of course, on the other side, our offensive line can't get completely destroyed. But I think it starts with coming out with a very conservative game plan offensively and trying to run the ball as much as you possibly can. Um, we got to get after Sam Howell and create some turnovers, and I think we will. Yeah, the X factor for me is our red zone offense. It was bad, bad against Buffalo, obviously over five. We haven't scored an offensive touchdown in 13 quarters. Um, as much as the defense is going to win this game, I do believe – I mean, if we win, it's going to be because of the defense. And I do believe that we can force turnovers. Offense has to capitalize on them. We were close. Close doesn't count. It counts on horseshoes and hand grenades, and that's about it. doesn't count that he got to the one-yard line twice and couldn't punch in. Actually, three times, really. But, you know, you, you couldn't punch it in from the one. Now, granted, one of those was a mistake by Tyrod Taylor. And honestly, if you were ever going to run, uh, the end of the game would have been a good time to do it because you had one play. It did, the time didn't matter at that point. Uh, at yeah. first and goal, though you had one untimed down, you you call your best play. In my opinion, if you're going to run the ball, you do it there, as opposed to when they did it. Um, yeah, but I do. I think the defense is going to have a good game. Like I said, Miami they put up a, a ton of points against everybody. But we forced three turnovers against them. The pass rush has been better. Yeah, they're not getting sacks, but you can see pressure from Dexter Lawrence has gotten better. Thibodeau has gotten better. Micah McFadden and Okereke have certainly improved over the last three weeks. I think that Washington can't, you know, I think we can get to Sam Howell. And I, I think that when they get there, they got to drop them. Um, but that red zone offense to me, it, without a doubt, is the X factor. We got to find a way to get, I know they targeted Darren Waller, down there, but we got to get the ball to Darren Waller down mm-hmm. there. That red zone offense is going to be important because Washington and the Giants always seem to play close games. It's very rarely a blowout. They're very ugly games. We 23 to 20s, the 20 to 19s, the 19 to 16 type of game. Um, the team that you know capitalizes in the red zone, the team that's winning this game. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. And and you know, the offensive line obviously, hopefully they hold up. Um, the defense, you know, just going back to your point, by the way, I, I, I've got to say this. I said it on Twitter. Okereke should have been defensive player of the week, win or lose. And I told them that I said, you've been playing out of your mind. And, you know, he was very appreciative of, of it, but how cool has it been to see him finally establish a comfort level in that defense? Yeah. The last, so two, weeks, yeah, the last two weeks, you've really seen him start to take off. Uh, he's been great. 
uh, for yeah. the Giants, which is encouraging. We haven't we haven't had a good middle linebacker in forever. So that's really, yeah. It's like it's like whoa, this is what linebacker play looks like. Yeah, I'm really excited about what he you know is going to become hopefully for this team for the next three or four years. Uh yeah, and that's a great point about the red zone offense. Bad dog brought up, and some of that has to fall on the play calling too. Like we gave the play yeah. calling so much credit last year. Um, we were a top five red zone offense, which is insane. Uh, from where we came from, we were dead last year before, and it's like we reverted back to that. Um, and, yeah. you, and I know Barkley's been out. That has something to do with it. I mean, not having Bar- – but last week he was in, and we were 0 for 5. But right, and having- we started the first six quarters of the year at Barkley, we didn't score a point. Yeah, yeah. so, so. it's just been a mess. I'm, I think a lot of that falls on the plate going for sure. So they got a lot of credit last year. They deserve to take some blame. I think especially inside the 20, plate going is a major factor. So, yeah, our red zone – we don't get to the red zone a lot when we do. We have to cash in like we did, like we were able to last year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Max Castro asks, have you seen Andrew Thomas in the locker room and how does he look? And is there any news on a possible return within the next few weeks? Max, I didn't see him this week. I saw him last week and he looked like he was still moving kind of slowly. Um, I don't know. I know they had hoped for next week against the Jets because of that defense. I would imagine, though, considering how long Andrew has been sidelined, they're probably going to want to get him through a full week of at least being limited at minimum, you know, because uh, hamstrings, they are tricky. You don't want to rush him back. And, and I know people are like, well, he's been out for so long. You know, how are you rushing him back? But you want to make sure that hamstring is stable. And I know he's been undergoing all kinds of treatment for it. Um, I'd like to see him come back for the jet game. I don't know that I'm ready to say that, yeah, you can pencil him in for that. I, I, I think we need to see what the, the, the coming week brings. Okay. Um, Nick's nation. Why is Leo so quiet? Dexie is getting double teamed every time. Kayvon is showing up, but Leo is absolutely invisible. I don't have an answer for you. I, 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 I don't, how do you think? I, I'm I've been so disappointed with Leo this year. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I could. That's I why I, I wonder if maybe they're going to move on from him if they can. Yeah. So. Well, they will either in the middle of the year or the end of the year. He he's not coming back here. No, that's a fact. Maybe age is catching up to him. I mean, Leo's been around for a while. Who knows? He, you know, he's. I listen. I wanted him to bring Leonard Williams back. Uh, no question. When we signed him, I, I wanted him back here. Um, of course, they had to mess around the contract. Then, like the contract was constructed poorly. You know, that's that's something that you know when we talk about GMs and all oh, this player stinks. This a lot of it has to do with the way the contract's constructed. You start backloading contracts, you're going to pay for that eventually. You can't keep doing that yeah. because then you get hit. With a massive cap of $32 million for Leonard Williams at the end of the contract, where he's going to be less effective and less productive. And, and that prevents you from bringing in other guys that can be more productive. Yep. So the GM, the way they construct contracts, has a lot to do with how good or bad a GM is. Dexter Lawrence, when he got signed, number one, Dave Gettleman traded for him in a year where we weren't going anywhere. And people questioned the trade. Then he had 11 and a half sacks his free agent year. And they had to bring him back. I mean, what were you going to do? He's only had nine and a half sacks since that year. So sacks can be deceiving. I don't want to say overrated. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good word for it. Um, But 
He's not. Yeah, like I see amazing guys say that Dex has zero sacks. If you watch the games, Dex has played great. Yeah, zero sacks or not, the guy gets constant interior pressure. So yeah, sacks don't tell the whole story. Right, and and yeah, but Leo Leo's like not no pushing the pile. He's getting pushed. Yeah, he's just not playing well. Yeah, Leo, I think has had a lot of tread on his tires. Yeah, and I wondered about it because you look at the the amount of snaps they asked him to play. And then you add in the injuries, how he's starting to break down. And yeah. you just wonder now if his career is on the downslide. He had a neck injury last year, right? He also had a yes. neck injury last year. Yes. So, and then he had right. something this year that was kind of nagging him at the beginning. I forgot what it was. I forgot what it was, too. I'm not going to say he's not like healthy. I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Nobody's he's really healthy. Not well. And maybe Leo's just like, you know what? <laughs> it don't really matter at this point. I got my big paycheck. And whatever happens, happens at this point. Maybe he's who knows. I, I don't know. He just some guys break down. I mean, it's he's been in the league a long time. He did have very good 20, years for us. He's 29, 30 years. What, what is he, 29 now? I think he's gonna be 30 at by yeah. So he's been yeah. around longer than I thought he was like 32. No, but I don't think he's that old. There's a lot, there is a lot of mile on a mileage on Leo. Oh, no problem. question. No, and he might question. not be fully recovered from the injury either. I mean, he, he was he was banged up last year. That's yeah. a good point. That is a good point. Maybe it's still bothering him. He had the, I think he had a neck injury, and and you know he was cleared and everything. But you know sometimes that can pop back, and and you know just because a guy's not on an injury report doesn't mean that he's not getting treated for something. I can yeah. tell you probably every guy in that locker room who has taken snaps is being treated for something. You know, it's just a matter of who can push through and not have it, you know, cut into his allocated practice snaps, you know. So speaking of which, we, we talk about Dexter Lawrence and have any side. Again, you I take PFF with a grain of salt. I, whatever. But and Twitter today, because I actually reposted this. PFF said Dexter if Dexter Lawrence is the only interior defender with an 85 plus pass rush and run defense grade. He's the only guy. He's been great. So he's on 85, he's plus 85, or, you know, 85 pass rush. That's pretty good. Just because you're not getting a sack don't mean you don't have a good pass rush. Um, it's hard for those. Aaron Donald's an anomaly. You don't usually get a ton of sacks from your tackles. That's just right. not the way it goes. It's usually your edge rushers that get the sacks. So you can't expect Leo to have, or I'm sorry, you can't expect Dexter to have 10 sacks, eight, whatever. Um, those guys' job is to clog the interior, make sure the right. quarterback can't step up in the pocket and jam the run. That, that's really what they're supposed to do. A sack is a bonus. They're, that's supposed to be coming from, you know, Bobby. Well, if they blitz, okay. It's supposed to come from Kayvon Thibodeau. It's supposed to come from Aziz Ojolari. He's hurt. Isaiah Simmons. Those are your guys where you're really supposed to get your your numbers from. But we don't get them anywhere. We Thibodeau's got 80% of our sacks. I think Micah McFadden has the other one. Yeah, Michael McFadden's been playing lights out. He's been awesome. Again, how many sacks? Yeah, it, it just stats scared. They can be misleading. They really can be. Right, yeah. and and Wink always says, you know, I, and I can tell Wink is not a fan of Pro Football Focus. You know, so you I'm not ask really me, either. But what else do we? Well, not not, not in terms. Of, you know, I still don't understand their grading system, and I I think it's subjective because sometimes you don't know, or a lot of times you don't know what the call is and the assignment is, so you you guess. But that right. being said, the raw data, you know, like yards after the catch and coverage yards and stuff like that, that stuff is is certainly valuable, I think. Yeah. But, you know, to each his own. I, and I don't want to, you know, disparage what they do, but, uh, you know, the grades. Yeah, you, you take it with a like grade. If I slapped grades on, you exactly. know, 
You know, it's like I have my own way of grading. Well, that, yep. that might not be the way the coaches are grading. So, yep. all right, this question, Nick's Nation's been trying to push this through. Why do you think the red zone office is so bland this year? Is it because of the O-line? I don't know. I mean, that could be part of it, I suppose. But I, again, I go back to wondering if there's maybe too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to the play calling on offense. Yeah, that's part of it. And let's be honest, we've also gone up against some incredible defenses. Uh, That doesn't help your offensive numbers either. I mean, the Cowboys have a top three defense in the league. 49ers have a top three defense in the league. Um, You know, Buffalo is a very good defense. We've gone up against some upper echelon defenses too. So that plays a part, missing some of our players. Um, And I think the play calling hasn't been quite as good as it was last year. So I, I think it's a multitude of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a, it is a, um, a mixture of stuff, and you know, the I stuff think they, it must wear on the offense. I mean, they know. I mean, they know the numbers. They know they're not scoring, and you might start to press when yeah. you get down there. And there might be plays to be had, like the play to Darren Waller was there to be had when Jones threw the pick six. He needed to wait literally a split second longer. Waller comes wide open. But because they're pressing, because they're hurried, because they're hasty, haste makes waste. He made a mistake. You stand there. He did that was, it was almost like immediately he's like, I'm just going here. I'm just turning around and I'm throwing it here because I have a, a second and a half to get rid of the ball. Um, you know, you got to break those habits. You have to be able to read the field, and no matter if you get hit or not. You, you have to. You're a quarterback. That's your job. You, you must read the defense in the field, especially pre-snap. Um you got to know where this stuff's coming from. That that's a it's a big job that a quarterback does that we don't see. Obviously, uh, we just see them throwing the ball and taking sacks. We don't know what they're doing before. But when when there's missed blocks and guys coming free, there's some kind of miscommunication. Like he needs to check these things down and say, hey, you know that guy over there, this guy's the mic, whatever. You 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 got to figure it out. But I think it's like you said, Patty, it's a combination of a bad play calling, uh, bad execution and bad decision making and perfect storm. A lot of it's hurried and they're pressing. Yep. Perfect storm. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I just saw something. Oh, here, here's a question from Jonathan. Chris, what do you think about Simmons? Not much from him. You know, that's another mystery. I got to be honest with you now. You know, we talked about that a little bit earlier that maybe they were thinking of, ultimately putting him in there with Okereke, but McFadden's play has just made that not, you know, not happen. But I thought we would see Simmons, you know, blitz a little bit more, you know, go after the quarterback and hunt the quarterback. And we haven't. And I don't understand why. Yeah. He's a unicorn. I mean, that's a wink wanted. He doesn't have a position. That was, he was a positionless guy. So it's not like McFadden should take snaps away from him because you're supposed to be able to put Simmons anywhere. And this outside of like cornerback, obviously. Um, but I mean, he was a safety in college. So you you literally could play him in a bunch of different positions. I don't know why they haven't gotten creative with him, honestly. I, I wonder if they had a, you know, sometimes I, I really wonder. It's like these trades come down. A lot of times they, sometimes they happen quickly. Do you really have a plan for a guy? It's like, you know, it's like if I say, oh, you know, and I'm, I'm, this is going to be a woman thing, obviously, but. If I say, oh, yeah, I'm going to I want this jacket. And now all of a sudden I don't have a plan for when I'm going to wear the jacket or how I'm going to wear the jacket. You know, sometimes it's like that with with players. It's like they acquire players and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll find a spot for him. And meanwhile, you've got everything kind of set up 
And then somebody steps up and it's like, now where do you fit the guy in? Yeah. I'm, I was curious. Cause I just pulled up Simmons snap counts. He's been all over the place. He played 20. He has five of the game, five of the six games this year. He's played 33% of the snaps or less. And the Miami game, he played 100% of the snaps. Uh, the, the only thing that makes sense to me in that game is a lot more speed on the field. So they probably yeah. felt like they needed to have him out there more, but he, last week he had his lowest snap percentage of the year. He only, he was only on the field for um, 18% of the snaps. So he's, yeah. he had a reduced role last week. So I, yeah. I think some of his matchup dependent too, I'm sure based, you know, sure. based on the teams they're going up against, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I thought they would use him more in, in terms of being a pass rusher than they have. Yeah, it is surprising for sure. But all right, Joe, uh, Jay Peso asks, why haven't we seen more of Jordan Riley? DJ Davidson's kind of played better. <laughs> it's that simple. Jordan Riley is a young player. Um, he played well, obviously, in the in the preseason. But, you know, you you stack up the competition and, and they the coaches just feel that they've been able to get more from DJ Davidson. And you know, I, I have to look this up, but I think I wonder if special teams is also a factor here because I know DJ has played on special teams. I don't know if Jordan Riley did. I have to look that up to see. I don't think he's done a whole lot, so that could also be part of the the reason why we haven't seen um, uh, more of Riley. But Riley, make no mistake. I think down the line you'll see more of him. But DJ Davidson, you know, has has been productive when he's gotten his few chances. So. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I I love what I saw from Jordan Riley in the preseason. So I definitely think he's going to get his opportunity at some point. But, yeah, it's a deep position. I mean, it hasn't been living up to the expectations that we thought going into the year, but it's a deep position. So I'm not shocked that, Jordan, you know, a seventh-round pick or whenever we took him um, at that position hasn't really seen the field yet. So I'm not I'm not surprised by that. But by, as the year goes on, I'm sure he'll get a couple – he'll get a growing opportunity. Yeah. You know, and, you know, somebody also mentioned um... – you know, with injuries, just just to go back to that. Do you remember everybody was screaming about the MetLife Stadium turf and they changed the turf out and the injuries are still happening? Mm -hmm. So, you know, somebody, somebody had asked me, well, is it the turf? No, they changed out the turf. And, you know, yeah, players will say they want grass, but you know what? Injuries do happen on grass too. Let's not kid ourselves. So I go back again with regards to the injury situation what are these sports scientists do? How are they evaluating and, and, and what are they telling the coaching staff and the training staff? How is the strength and conditioning staff, you know, what kind of program are they working on? Are they customizing it to the players individuals or are they just saying, okay, all you offensive linemen do this type of workout, all you quarterbacks do this, that type of workout. These are some of the questions. And unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever get answers to some of these, but I would be curious about you know some of this stuff. Yeah. Bring up some good points. Yep. Um Adoree Jackson, for those who missed it, he is listed as questionable with a neck injury. Another guy with a neck injury. <laughs> next. Next man, I'm telling you. If you flat flat will probably get the start if he's if he's out, right? I I think Adori will play. I would be surprised yep. if he doesn't I didn't get the impression Adoree's injury was as bad. Good. You know, I, I talked to him a little bit this week and, you know, he, he seemed okay. Cause I, I was, we were talking about, you know, I was telling him about my neck and, and I'm like, 
dang, these neck injuries, right? And, he, and he's like, yeah, you know, and, and I said, how are you doing? He, you know, he said, oh, I'm doing okay. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be out there. He might have just been saying that. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll he's, been, see. he's been really disappointing this year, Dory. That's why he probably will not be back next year. Yeah, even if he was good this year, <laughs> back, but he he's been not very good this year, Dory. I thought he was, you know, last year he yeah. played pretty well. He hasn't been good this year. I wonder if maybe he's checking out. I don't know. Yeah. Excuse me a second. Mm. Sorry, guys. I'm getting dry throat here. Um, well, I always bring a lot of soda with me. What? <coughs> I always make sure I have a, a two liter on hand. You know what? It gets it gets the dry heat in my office gets to me. Yeah, it happens on here too. And you can you can hear a difference. It's like you can always tell when I record my shows. If I sound, you know, good, I'm recording it earlier in the day. <coughs> when I sound like this, it means that the dry heat. <coughs> Sorry, the dry heat. Howdy's in the desert over there. Uh, got tumbleweeds no, you know blowing weird? around in the background, a couple of cactus. <laughs> what's weird is that in the summertime, it's freezing down here. The air conditioning makes it so cold. And in the, in the wintertime, it's like I boil and I've got a sweater on. So but I I have my water and if I need to, I, I, I've got a, I've got uh lozenges, but uh, yeah, I do, you know, and plus don't forget, I had a cold a couple of weeks ago, which I'm sure is. Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Um, okay. Um, David Tay asks, you have a top five pick. You pick O-line or QB? Hmm. Depends. Dep- depends. Depends on the how we feel about the quarterbacks. I mean, you know, whichever quarterback may be there. I mean, probably there's going to be two quarterbacks to go with the first two picks. So, you know, the way that people are talking about Drake May along with Caleb Williams. So, depends how they feel about that next batch of quarterbacks. If we're picking like fifth or sixth, you know, depends. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think, Doug? I mean, I I think it depends. You know, I mean, yeah, I I mean, obviously, they would have to go with what they. Probably BPA at that point. If, if a quarterback falls to five that they like, if for whatever him. reason Drake Mays there, they take him. If they feel like Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy and he's there at five, they take him. It's. I think that's just the case with wherever you're picking. Uh, mm-hmm. Depends on who's there for you to be had. They may have a guy in mind that they want that's not there and they have to go a different route. Or maybe somebody falls into their lap and like, this is absolutely perfect. So I mean, look at last year. They traded up one spot to make sure they got Deontay Banks. But the, yeah. So you just you don't know. Maybe they want a guy and they move from fifth to third. That's also possible. Yeah. But we'll see where we're picking. And we got a long ways to go here. It's all yeah, sport. it's too soon for that. But and no, definitely- guys, I'm not going on the injury report because I dug out my Ricola. Ricola. Love these things. So hopefully that will uh, calm my, my dryness down here. So don't sweat it. I'll be there Sunday. Although it's interesting. I still say I got the head cold from Monday night football a couple of weeks ago, but Hey, it's okay. It's part of the job. So um, let me see. I, I just saw a question that went by. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, oh goodness. All right. Peter, Peter Rondazzo said he sent an article to all three of us uh, regarding the HIPAA stuff. Oh, here we go. Um, Big Blue 56, do you see the Giants making any moves at the trade deadline? 
I think it's going to depend on the next how the next two games go, wouldn't you say? I mean, if they lose to Washington, I Who think knows? it's conceivable. Yeah. But I yeah. don't think it's going to be crazy. I don't think Joe Shane's going to go nuts and just, you know, everything must go. Right. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. But, yeah, I, I think he'll be open to trading away players. If I More than likely, no matter what, I think he's going to be – unless we win the next two – then maybe you open the door. Okay, you can get to four and five with the one against the Raiders, and we'll see how we do for the rest of the year. Then maybe just kind of doesn't do either, buy or sell. Um, but I definitely don't think we'll be buyers. If we're going to be traders, obviously, I think we'll be sellers. And I'm leaning we will be. But, like, you, I don't expect a fire sale. Like, all these fans on Twitter saying, oh, you know, they're going to trade. They should, they should be open to trading eight players. That's not going to happen. Uh, but I think they'll be open to trading a player or two if the right deal is there, for sure. Yeah. As they should be. Yeah, and to that to that end, David Tay asks about trade predictions. I'm going to say maybe again. I'm going to go with Leo. Like and, you think Leo, right? Yeah, Leo, and 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 maybe like I said, maybe one of the receivers get gets moved out. Maybe I could see Hodgins. Maybe so those would be the two I would predict. Have no I'm inside info predict- on that, by the way. It's just a gut feeling. I'm going to predict Saquon. You think they will move Saquon? I think they're going to move Saquon. Yeah, I I don't know that for sure. Um, And I think the right deal has to be there. I don't think they're going to, like I said, I don't think they're going to give them away for nothing. But I think there's going to be a team, and which team it is, I'm not sure. But I think there'll be a team out there that looks at Saquon and says, this is a guy that can get us to a Super Bowl-level talent. You know, we have everything else. He could be that extra weapon that could really take this team to the next step. And I think a team will be willing to give up a second round pick, maybe even a little bit more, not a first round pick, but maybe a second round pick plus to acquire a guy like Saquon Barkley. And if he's not in the long-term plans for the New York Giants, I think it's very likely they could trade him. I agree. I mean, San Francisco went out and got Christian McCaffrey last year for that exact reason. So as I mentioned, Baltimore is a team that lost a running back at the beginning of the year. Him and Lamar Jackson, that'd be, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, but here's here's the thing, though, with Saquon. I mean, unlike Christian McCaffrey, who was under contract, Saquon isn't. So, in essence, you're kind of renting him unless you – you know, because he can't sign a new contract, I don't think. You know, even if he gets traded, he cannot sign a new contract this yeah. year. So, do you – if you're a team, do you make that trade and maybe do like a, a wink-wink type of deal that, hey, you know, after the season's over, we're going to sign you? Or do you you just say, yeah, you know what? We'll wait and see. Maybe we can get him for nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, it just depends. But like Chris said, if it's a player that you think you can win a Super Bowl with, you do it. It does not matter. The future don't matter. You win a Super Bowl, you've already won. It, it doesn't matter if you bring Saquon Barkley back in a long-term deal or not. Uh, you you rent a guy and you end up winning, you won. It, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. So. But, yeah, I think if you're a team like I'm trying to think of a team where it would really make sense. Um, I mean, the Ravens. People have said I think that's a popular one. People have said, but I'm Buffalo, sure Buffalo maybe. Yeah, I do like James Cook though, but maybe Buffalo would make sense. The, the, a team that's like right there that they feel a Saquon could put them over the top. At the end of the day, what's a second round pick? If you have an opportunity for a guy that could you feel could put you into Super Bowl contention, so. I think there'll be a team out there, maybe even two or three teams that are willing to part ways with a second round pick for Saquon Barkley. So that's what I, if he stays healthy and the Giants continue to lose, I think that's a real possibility. 
Okay, so then let me put let me ask you this because initially I think when Gettleman drafted Saquon, they were trying to build the offense around him. Obviously, that kind of gravitated towards build the offense around the quarterback. If Jones is not the guy, mm-hmm. who are you building this offense around? Or are you well, that's, just that's not around something? That's been my devil's advocate point for the last three weeks when people have told me that it's a no doubt they shouldn't even think twice to trade Saquon. I think I think there is thinking involved because of what you just said. Um, you got to be able to support the the quarterback next year, whether that's whether that's Jones or whether that's a rookie. Uh, you you got to be able to support the quarterback next year. And if you get rid of Barkley, we see how depleted this offense is to begin with. We saw we saw the difference last week. I, a lot of people are giving Tyrod Taylor the credit, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Taylor. I thought he played well as well as I could have hoped. Barkley had a lot to do with it. Um, he's very important to this offense, so I I do think there's some thinking involved in it. I'm not just giving away Barkley for nothing. I have to get something where I could get a weapon next year to help this offense. Uh, you know, maybe a running back in the second round. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a slam dunk decision. Just trade Barkley to trade him. No, I, I think there is thinking that goes involved in it, especially. Some, that- people, some people are mentioning Detroit as a possibility to trade. They got Barkley. a good running back duo, though. Jameer Gibbs is good, and they and they signed yep. another. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah, they, they drafted they- Jameer Gibbs, and I, I don't know why they would. Yeah, and they and I mean, they signed. You never know. Team. They have a good. The duel thing is, I mean, they did draft Jameer Gibbs. Man, Barkley may be a rental for a team like Detroit. The Browns just... make sense. The Browns lost Nick Chubb. They yeah. can make. Their team is starting to show promise with their defense. Maybe they they say to themselves, "We could be that grind, you know, that great Super Bowl winning type defense." We get a guy like Barkley. That's a great match for the defense. We have the strong offensive line. That's a team I haven't thought about that I can see making a lot of sense. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. But we'll see how Barkley gets through. You know, I mean, last week there were times when you could tell that ankle was still an issue. You yeah. know, fortunately he came through the week, you know, no worse for the wear. He wasn't on the injury report. Um, well, he didn't receive a de- injury designation. So that that's the good news. So, you know, we'll have to see with him. But I, I do think, and I had said this at the start of the year, I said if Barkley misses any time, I think that's going to, hurt his chances of being resigned by this team. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to be. The only way he's coming back next year, I think, is is a tag. Tag, um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm leaning he'll be traded, but I, obviously I wouldn't be surprised at all if he stays. So Yeah, we'll I know he doesn't want to be traded, but. I don't want know. him to be traded either, but ideally I don't want him to be traded. You know, because he takes such great pride in being a leader and, you know, representing this franchise. But, you know, you just get the impression. And, and plus, you look at Joe Shane's history coming from Buffalo, they just don't put a premium on running backs. Right. So, all right, let's take a couple more real quick. Uh, Peter Rondanzo, biggest question of the year. Will we score more than 14 points this week on offense? Hmm. I think we're going to score more than 14 points, but I don't know if they're going to all be attributed to the offense. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say yes, we do. The hottest of hot takes. I said this before, you know, Tyrod is even a starter. So my hot take of the week is that Tyrod Taylor throws more passing touchdowns than Sam Howell does in this game. Doesn't mean we're going to win, but I think Tyrod Taylor throws more touchdown passes this game than Sam Howell. It's my hot. Do take. they? All right. Here's 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 a, a better question. Does this team score its first touchdown on offense in the first thirty minutes of the game? Yes, I think so too. I'm going to say no. Ooh. Why? But I could, no? Well, well, here's what I'll say. I could see an assisted offensive touchdown from the defense. Like we get a turnover inside the 20, but I don't think we'll have an 80 yard drive for a touchdown in the first half. 
I think Washington has a good defense, and I don't think Tyra Taylor is very good. So I, I know he played pretty well last week, but I uh, I think we're gonna have it's gonna be a grinded out game. I, I don't think we're gonna be scoring a ton of points in this game offensively. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then on that note, before we wrap up, let's do predictions. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. Um, twenty to seventeen Giants. I think the defense creates at least two turnovers, short field position. I think Barkley goes for about 80 to 90 yards on the ground, similar to last week. I think we control the clock. I think we make enough big plays to eke out a win, uh, and the Giants win by three. 2017 Giants. They had a field goal to each team for me. I think the Giants win 23 to 20. And, um, again, I just think this is one of those typical Washington, New York games, knock down, drag them out. Back and forth, both teams are about even. The records aren't even, but you look at who Washington's played. They they played Atlanta. They played Arizona. That's the team we beat. And I forgot the other team that they beat, but um, nobody – oh, Denver. So they beat yeah, – Their had best performance was the loss to Philadelphia. That was their best performance. Yeah. yeah. But they, yeah, they lost to Philly. They got blown out by Buffalo. They got blown out by the Bears. I definitely think we're on this team's level. And I, I think we ran a close one by a field goal. I'm going to say Giants 23-17. I think I like, defense, I know, right in the middle there, right in the middle. The def- look, the defense has been, you know, stepping up. I like what I've seen from them the last couple of weeks. I think they can force Sam Howell into making some mistakes. Um, the offense... I'm going to say this will be the week they finally score in the first half of the game. I mean, uh, other than a, a field goal. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Washington is is susceptible in the defense's secondary. They have a great defensive front, which worries me against that offensive line. But I think the Giants will hold up and, and they will come out with a win. And if they don't, I'm not getting on Twitter after the game because rest in peace to my mentions. Twitter's been a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can't even if they win. I mean, you're not going to be able to say anything positive beating Washington. But I, I agree with you. I, I, I think it's going to be a grinded out game. I think we're all in the same ballpark. We're all in the high teens, low twenties, about a three to six point game. So, yeah, like every giant game when we win, I think it'll be really close. But I think we'll find a way to win. And hopefully, you know, they're wearing the legacy uniforms, dog. Aren't those beautiful? I love them, but my favorite, my favorite yep. uniform. Yep. They should, all be, right. they should be always their jerseys. That and the color rush. They, they should be their jerseys all the time. I agree. At least they got rid of those ugly red ones. I'm sorry. I hated those red jerseys. People love the red ones. I, I do I was not never like a huge fan. I didn't mind them. I was never a big fan of those. Did not like them. But anyway. So, Cecil, uh, talk about my Saquon to the Browns. I He said they're not close to winning anything. The Browns, to me, Cecil. And I, I watched them the other week. The Browns have a Super Bowl defense. They just beat the 49ers. With beat the 49ers with a backup quarterback. Right. If Deshaun Watson gets it together and you had Saquon Barkley with that defense, I wouldn't obviously peg them as Super Bowl favorites, but could they be a team like the Titans from a few years ago who got to an AFC championship game? Wouldn't shock me. So I, I could see them being interested in a guy like Saquon. I think he kind of yeah. fits the mold of that team. They're only a half game out of the division. I mean, the Ravens are yeah. four and two. The Browns are three and two. And literally, the Browns just beat the best team in the in football with a backup with a quarterback. That means they can beat anybody, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. When you have a defense like that, you always have a chance. 
Yeah. And yeah. what complements a great defense is a great ground game. Yep. You know. Well, we'll see. It's getting close. And, you know, like I said, we'll see what happens this weekend. If they lose, I expect something to happen the following week. What that something is, I don't know, but we're getting close. I don't think they'll go crazy, like I said, but I can see something happening. Um, it's just a matter of who, what, where, when, how much, and what they get. So we'll have it for you. Well, I'm sure, you know, what it, as soon as it breaks, we will have it for you. So anyway, that's going to do it for us here on Locked on Giants Live. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, dog. Thank you, Tana. It's you. great having you guys back. It's been a while since the three of us got back on, 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 three uh, weeks. on the, yeah. on the yeah. live stream. So hopefully, you know, we can do it again next week, and hopefully we will be talking about a win Gosh. and feeling a little bit better about Giants-Jets, which yes. should be a very interesting week of coverage. Sure. So. That would be a close game. I don't I don't think the Jets will blow us out because I think we could keep Wilson in check, but we'll talk about that game next week. Yeah, yep. absolutely. All right, everybody, thanks again for joining us. Be sure to keep it here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. All new episodes next week starting with our game review. And we will see you then. Have a good night, everybody. Oops.